Welcome to the TTPOA podcast, a podcast for SWAT officers, military, and all first responders. We'll be talking training, tactics, and leadership with the best subject matter experts around. Here are your hosts, Derek and Brandon. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the TTPOA podcast, man. Episode seven of season number two, man. We are trucking right along. Damn. Again, this episode is brought to you by Triarch. Check them out at triarchsystems.com, providing tailored solutions for professional end users to keep pushing forward. Uh, have you got your Tri 11 yet? Um, I'm still waiting for Chris to give that to us for the sponsorship. That's Do any of you said. guys have a Tri 11? No, nothing? Chris said he was giving it to us yeah, for think- that. Uh, no, I've got a custom Glock by Try Try R. Yeah, I have uh, I have a custom Glock as well, and they're badass. And they also do do work to uh, to frames and and slides and stuff as well. Yeah. So Chris took my my duty gun that I carried for about eleven twelve years and redid it Triarc fashion Glock mm. Glock seventeen. Is it, is it is it sexy now? Oh yeah. yeah, it's so yeah. sexy. Well, guys, today I'm kind of excited about this uh, about this episode because we've been trying to do this now uh, for a while. Yeah, it's just hard to get all these great minds together, and now that we're doing this at the conference, we actually have a sniper orgy. Uh, a sniper orgy. It's yeah. it's the weirdest thing ever. Okay, <laughs> so today we are talking. Wait. Today we are talking with four snipers. Ooh. Right. I don't even see them in there. They're all ghillie suits out and laying around. I don't even, I'm trying to find yeah. out where they are. But it, it, it's weird. They came in the room, and they all just took the prone position on the floor, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? I need you guys to sit in the seats like normal people. <laughs> we use tripods now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, we do have a panel of uh, four snipers today, right? And we're yeah. just going to talk and kind of BS with these guys. Um, so, again, hopefully... As you guys are talking, right, get into the microphone because we, we want everybody Work to hear, those, boom, hear boys. those golden words that you guys are going to be speaking, all right? I will do a disjustice if I introduce you guys and your background. So I'm gonna let fuck you, your name I'll up. fuck it all up. Yep. I'm going to let you guys do what, you know, do your intro, all right? So we'll start right here. Sniper number one, and you are? Thank you. I'm Mark Lang, uh, retiring next Tuesday from the Dallas Police Department after 30 years in wow. 23. Congratulations. Right. Dallas Congrats, War. man. And, uh, yeah, glad to be here with the, the other gentlemen that set the table and, uh, and excited to do this. Yeah, you've nice. been a long-time staple on that team. Yeah, so uh, it's it's been a wild yeah. ride. 30, 30 years, man. 30 years. That's impressive. That gonna, city it is. You're going to miss it? <laughs> Uh, I'll miss the, the people, not the not the work, but yeah. the people. Yeah, yeah. the brotherhood and, and yep. just the fun. Exactly. Yeah. So, so what are you doing now? Well, I actually uh, took a position with Brink Drones out of Las Vegas. So if you've heard of Brink, they're kind of known for the uh, the SWAT drone out there mm-hmm. uh, that uh, is really designed for interior searches and stuff like that. So if you're currently on a SWAT team, it doesn't matter if it's clad or duty, you have full-time. Uh, you're probably, if you're not using drones, uh, within the next year, you will be using drones. So mm-hmm. every SWAT team should be using drones. And, again, it's going to keep us from having those uh, use of force incidents that uh, maybe we can avoid. And it's basically taking the robots and just, you know, Trash uh, multiplying what it can do. So, yeah. yeah. The so, next evolution is, is drones, right? Yeah. I mean, it is drones. Use the technology. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll just, the last thing I'll say on it is technology. We've probably been, the SWAT team has been really kind of underserved mm-hmm. uh, in with technology. Um, and so uh, the the folks at Brink, they're trying to change that. So, and then so, you teach for somebody too, don't you? 
Yeah, I've uh, I've done a little bit of teaching for Tactical Academy. Uh-huh. Um, so I've sniper bro- stuff. Yeah, sniper stuff. But there's, uh, a, tact- there's a need for that. Yeah, well, there is, uh, okay. and there's a huge marketplace out there still for <laughs> for guys at the table here that are doing some excellent training in their own realms. But uh, yeah, so I'm director of tra- sniper training for Tactical Academy. Had that position for probably the last five years, and so I can, I handle essentially the public venue, the aerial platform operations, and large caliber rifle. Okay. Uh, uh, those are my three main curriculums and stuff like that. So, been doing that, rocking and rolling, and uh, yeah, loving it. Life's good. Nice. Retiring and good. So, before we get any deeper in here, uh, uh, the jokes. I'm just playing <laughs> with you guys, right? You know, I love all of you. Like, there's a special place in my heart for you guys. The because I was, you know, uh, as you say, what closet sniper. I was a closet sniper for a little bit. I was a closet sniper for a little bit. All right. And and I tried in the math and all the other stuff. I just couldn't do it. I love the laying down part on the job, but I just couldn't do the other stuff. All right. But seriously, I do love you guys. I'm just joking, just busting balls. All right. Sniper number two. Sniper number two. Two. Man, he's not near as nice looking as his wife at, at all. I mean, she was a prior guest. She was good to look at. Wife. Yeah. And like, I don't want to be. I mean, what was she on episode... Fifteen? I don't know. It was uh, the wise season episode. one. Season it was. One. It was episode fifteen. You and were I, so. I'm looking at it right now. You're wow. so impressive. That's right. Yeah. And it was actually right. at the same hotel. What a great yeah. husband. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Sean Harris, uh, Fort Worth PD. Uh, proud to be here with uh, fellow snipers. Mm-hmm. Uh, proud to be here with fellow TTPOA board members. Yeah. Uh, been a part of the organization since ninety nine two thousand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Grew up through the ranks with uh, Brandon and Graham and many others. Uh, Mark as well. Um, happy to be here and talk about sniper stuff. Yeah. Uh, doing, you know, Region 6 is my region. Region 7 is Brandon's region. Yeah. Um, and we share a lot of, well, we share the same border. So I don't even know where that is. I really don't. People ask me, I, like, I don't really know. I think it's right down the middle of the airport. <laughs> is it? I'm not sure. I don't know how far south. I don't know how far north. I know how far east, but well, I don't even know how far east. Like, I don't even know where I stop. Yeah, but it's like, because you're so popular, people come to you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> sure. It's a, ma- it's a legacy that, it's a le- that, it's a le- that yeah. Derek left you. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Totally. Absolutely. Totally. And then you totally. also teach for? I do teach. Um, I teach with uh, Mark at Attack Flow. See your um, boss. He's my boss. Yeah, see your boss. Flow. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's why you sit next to him. He That's, made you do yeah. it. Okay, he's my director director he yeah, said director Sean, of sniper operations you sit to my left right now <laughs> yes yeah. hold my pocket <laughs> to the left <laughs> rub my leg <laughs> um my curriculum i, I support me. mark in his public venue mm-hmm. um that's his curriculum he developed it i've been with them since day one on that um, okay. that's been a, a a blast to do that is probably one of the funnest experiences that an aerial platform um in the sniper community uh, so i support him in that role um, my curriculums on with TAC flow are going to be a basic sniper school, sniper team leader, and sniper instructor. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Sniper number three, I'm going to have to ask you to get a little bit or pull that mic just a little bit closer to he's you. He's so there. excited okay. to be Yeah, he's show. super excited. He's been hammering beers like they're fucking yeah. water over here, <laughs> trying to loosen up just a little bit. All right, sniper number three. Yeah, Kelly Perkle. Yeah. Uh, been in law enforcement for 29 years, 23 with Lubbock, and been on SWAT for 20 years. Been a part of TTPOA for, I think, a member 21 years and then on the board for six years. Yeah. Yeah, I think we came on together, right? Back in the day. Like, weren't we like the two new guys at the, 
uh, Sam Marcus years ago. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know I remember, if you were there a year before me or it was I don't think I was. Time. I think we sat there and drank like I was like the two new guys just drinking by ourselves, staying away from everybody, not knowing what to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, do you do any outside teaching or do you teach for TTPOA? Yeah. So I teach around the state for yep. TTPOA doing a basic sniper. And Sean and I have taught together. Yeah. Is that basic sniper class? Was it like a 10 hour class? What is that? Just a little well, bit. Well, there, there, here comes the math part that he's not going to understand. But <laughs> Kelly, take it, take it easy on Derek. You got to okay. open that door so you can come yeah. out of the closet. Uh, there. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's be real about this. Uh, yeah. Kelly and I have taught a basic together. Uh, we're trying to collaborate and get um, Mike, Mike and uh, Matt Harmatuck and Kelly and myself to, to do a basic just kind of in, in Texas. Uh, uh, sniper, who's who? Uh, sniper school. That'd be yeah. awesome. I mean, seriously, like that would be like that'd be an awesome course to, yeah. Yeah. to like like to attend. I may come back. I may get my sniper rifle back out of the closet. Well, hey, uh, you, you can. I'll host it in Region Seven and do that. Well, we're entertaining. <clears throat> we're entertaining a, a class in Georgia, and Kelly and I are talking about teaming up to go and to do that one. So Georgia. You know, that's nowhere near taking Texas, a show on the road. So that is yeah. a little further away. A little yeah. further away. Well, Kelly is. Um, I guess this is. This will be the third year you've done basic sniper in my region. Yes. Yeah. And then, so one year was really hot, and then another year we were able to get a good weather. And then this year, just with circumstances and, and scheduling, I was like, hey, when can you do it? He's like, does August work? I'm like, well, I'm not fucking going to be out there. So if you want to be out there in August, you go right ahead, brother. It's going to be some hard training. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm Our, like, maybe we need to go to Sean's 72 degree yeah, indoor, indoor range indoor. and yeah, do all that shade. kind of shit. I hope that fucking air conditioner breaks one day when you're out there. Can y'all convert that it? to Celsius? <laughs> uh, 20 degrees. There, there you go. Sniper had to do it. 20 degrees. You yeah. know what? I don't need to because I got a phone that can do it. So <laughs> I'm a grunt, man. All right. Sniper number four. Yeah. East Texas, 903, yeah. baby. So uh, Mike Saxon um, with the Tyler Police Department. Uh-huh. Been there for 28 years. Dang. So I could retire pretty soon or whenever. <laughs> uh, been on SWAT, still on SWAT. Been on SWAT for 26 years. Awesome. Um, I think my first TTPOA conference was either in 97 or 98. Uh, gone to most of them over the years, and then I've been on the board for about 10. Mm-hmm. So, uh, been teaching for TTPOA, do sniper classes, um, red dot classes, um, uh, SWAT classes, different ones. And yeah. I know I've been teaching for TTPOA for probably 15 or so years. Yeah. So awesome. I remember at one conference, um, Mike's always laid back and just super chill, Seuss, smooth, super chill. Yeah, very, very smooth, chill. And there was an incident, and uh, we weren't we, we were actually not involved in it. We were trying to be the peacemakers in this deal, and all of a sudden, fucking Mike is twisted off, and I was like, "Whoa, that dude really pissed him off." Because I've never seen him mad. I was like, "Oh, you know what? Hey, you get whatever you deserve because you just pissed a really nice guy off." So, hey, man. That just proves that that dude was an asshole, in my opinion. I guess that was last year. I'm, I don't know. I'm yeah, not. Okay. I'm not gonna. Right, yeah. it, it's you know <laughs> statute limitations. It's all, shit. It's all a blur. Yeah. I, went, <laughs> I went black. I don't know what happened. <laughs> all right. So for our listeners that okay, they hear the term sniper, right? Now, law enforcement sniper, military sniper, they probably have a pretty good idea of like what a military sniper is from movies and stuff. Is that yeah, exactly what you guys do? I mean, it. I mean, or is it different? Like, explain to 
someone that doesn't know what like a law enforcement sniper, like what their job is or, or did, how you guys did operate. Did Tom Berenger teach y'all how to shoot? So I don't well, know. That's you, all I want you to have know. to massage that, that trigger finger. Yeah. If you watch the movie Sniper, you know, we're doing air quotes here. Yes. Or Mark Wahlberg. Right. Which one? T- who, who taught who? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Why y'all giving me shitty yeah. looks? <laughs> so I know that's something I cover even in the basic class because everybody watches all the sniper, you know, yeah. the sniper uh, movies and everything. But there's a lot of difference in it. I mean, um, you know, there's there's a lot more liability, I guess you'd say, in the law enforcement side of it. And um, we're taking shots usually a lot closer. Um, usually, like, military is going to be engaging multiple targets a lot of the time. You shoot somebody, shoot somebody in the arm, take them out of the fight in the mil- you know, in a combat se- uh, setting, it's a lot different. You know, that's uh, in law enforcement, we shoot for that, you know, total uh, immediate incapacitation shot, you know, a lot of the time. So, a lot of difference in it. Mm-hmm. So, so, Sean? I, I can tell you from my perspective, um, I grew up in the Marine Corps, um, scout sniper instructor school, and uh, over at Quantico. And after leaving that and coming to the law enforcement community, then I was like, oh, I got this. And I was, I wouldn't say I was recruited uh, to the SWAT team. I had to try out like everybody else did. It took me three tries to get on the team, so it's not a gimme for sure. Yeah. When I got on the team, they wanted to put me in that sniper billet right away because of the background. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you. Now, what the Marine Corps was back then in the in the early to mid-90s is completely different now when it comes to the sniper community. They've, they've evolved to so many different levels mm-hmm. up when it comes to that. But I didn't know anything. <laughs> they're, they're two completely different worlds. Yeah. We were shooting... Area, I say an area target. We were shooting body targets, and in law enforcement, we're shooting you know point blank between the eyes. You know that that kills on that immediate incapacitation zone, as Mike was talking about, and the engagements. Everything is completely different. Mm-hmm. Completely different. Now you're using the same weapons platform, maybe the same ammo. Then not now. We'll get into that later, possibly. But there's two different animals, military and LE. Uh, so what about too, like, uh, in LA, I know we use you guys a lot for intelligence gathering using your yeah. scopes, your, your, your bios, things that you guys have, you can get in places where you can't be seen for like barricades or overwatch of public venues or, or something like that. You know, um, that's kind of what, you know, I think of law enforcement snipers being a little bit different than military. We use a lot more for like gathering that intel on the, on, on the BP or looking at breach points for us. If you know if we can't see it or whatever. Yeah, so you're, <clears throat> you usually have a bigger field of view of the total objective or everything that's going on. So you can dial up the scope to look at a little closer for breach points, and and you can measure out a window or a door opening if they're trying to make a plan to insert either a team or some type of tools, you can help give accurate information to the commander to help them make a, a better plan, a safer plan for the team. Yeah. You're also covering that team. And then you're giving confirmation on information that maybe the negotiators are getting while talking to the suspect. You're confirming that because you, you can see an entire side or maybe a couple of sides of the objective and verifying information. Is that better? Yeah, that's way better. Okay. Go. All right. So you're able to provide real-time information back to the command to help with them yeah. in their decision-making. So is the sniper position on a team, is it one of those positions for a new guy? or No, definitely not. Um, here's the problem. So 
I'll jump into it, and, and I don't think we're going to disagree on this. Okay. It's that just because you're on the SWAT team, and then uh, it's like any of the specialties. So police sniper is a specialty on the SWAT team. It is one, though, that when we talk about the conventional SWAT call-outs that is going to be employed at a uh, more often than not. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the problem that exists in law enforcement, and I gather a lot of what I'm going to tell you is kind of based on my involvement with the NTOA, the uh, sniper section, the American Sniper Association. I'm the Region 6 director for that, is that <clears throat> we, we don't vet, we don't have a selection process in place, and I will speak about this tomorrow at Supervising Sniper Ops here at the conference. We don't have something in place consistently, a standard, a measurable standard across the board where we say you need to attain or have these different skill sets. And then we don't even consider the mental skill set, which is a whole nother thing. Mm -hmm. We don't have standardization of why you should be in this position. Because keep in mind, if you suffer from OCD, okay, you're not someone that's going to be able to stay in a perimeter position and more times than not, you're going to be by yourself. You're not going to have a partner, right? We always teach that you should have your partner, your observer with you, but the realities of it are probably, and I can speak to this uh, factually mm-hmm. in my 23 years in Dallas from deploying as a police sniper is probably I am teetering around 50%. I have an observer, 50%. Mark is out there by himself mm-hmm. on yeah. the A side, the one side, the three side, whatever you want to call it. Wow. So we don't, we do a very, very poor job in vetting who's going to be doing that. Or we sit there and we go, hey, you can't cut it on entry. Yes. Uh, we can't cut you off the team because yeah, you, you know it. somebody or manpower we just issues. don't have enough manpower yeah. issues. Yeah. Thank you. So let's. Let's assign you to the sniper cadre, and now you're behind the team with the largest caliber rifle, bullet, cartridge that the team has. Please tell me how that makes any sense to have someone who can't cut it on entry, who can't think fast enough, yeah. who can't make good decisions. It makes no we're sense. We're going to take them. It makes but no sense. But we do sense, it absolutely. every day, Or let's Eric. get the old guy. We do it every day, and it's acceptable because tragedy doesn't occur enough. Yep. Okay. When tragedy comes, because we're lucky, you'll get change. Yeah. All right. So I have a huge problem about agencies that don't have a selection process. Look, I'll, I'll tell you in Dallas, you make it on the SWAT team. There's no selection process to be a police sniper. Mm-hmm. You get put in that specialty. We may know those that gravitate toward it and actually are like, Hey, I really dig what you do and I want to do it, but we don't have a process. And I've been always wanting to try to get a process in Dallas, but because of team culture, the team inertia. Let me ask you guys this. So, I mean, all of you guys are either, I mean, like three out of the four are part of the TTPOA board. And, and Mark, I mean, you, you, you've you been around and, and your resume yeah. you know, speaks for itself. Is it something that we need to have as a, as a state organization that is backing SWAT teams in training that we need to have a standard for uh, police snipers? Yes. I mean, because we have standards for everything else, right? Like, why don't we? Yes. If you, if you go to, if you go to, um, TCOL, which mm-hmm. is our governing body for, um, police standards, um, training hours, right. rifle, pistol, precision rifle, they govern what needs to be done in that realm. If you look at the precision rifle, they don't call it sniper. If you look at the precision rifle aspect of it, it's very, um, 
subjective as to how you want to put that together and how you want to grade that and how you want, I mean, it has no like grading area in the target. You could simply hit the color portion of the body target and score that how you want to. There's nothing saying that it has to be this target or it has to be in, in this, um, measurement well it's just i mean tickle does that for any firearms i mean it's up to the individual instructor agency to pick the target and how they score that target as long as it is able to be right and there's different parameters in there that that kind of help you know push you in between the lines a little bit more but i don't think it does enough i think what uh, tico does is they set up the guardrails Mm -hmm. so that you don't go off the road but it's up to the agency or the unit to put the put the stripes on the road to make yeah. sure that you stay in between the lanes. So let me ask you this: Did you guys have a different selection process for a police sniper? Yes, we did. So, um, and it came through uh, trial and error, and it came through real trial and error because it was a place where you put the old guys, yeah, or it was a place to put a body that wasn't acceptable to be in a another position. So um, over time, that, that created problems. Um, so we decided, hey, we have, uh, there was one point in time, and uh, my partner over there, Dennis Elise at the time, he was an 8541. Uh, so it was unique that two 8541s were together over there. That's the Marine Corps MOS for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we decided, hey, let's put together a selection process because we had eight people that were interested in two spots on the sniper Oh, wow. cadre, and we had a full-time team we still do so with that we're like how do we choose well so-and-so over here good old boy hunter well known to the department well respected on the team well liked. he was the obvious choice without a selection process so we put together a selection process and it involved uh, nomenclature of the weapon why you want to be a sniper um, shoot no shoot scenarios mm-hmm. or shoot scenarios and why uh, it, it required uh, familiarization with the gun. It required an observation, some some skill activities and stuff like that, and the interview. And but you guys kind of base that off your military experience. Well, it was that was stuff that we did in the military. Yes, that that form of selection came from the military. But the um, the objectives or the 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 tasks that were put before the applicants were all based on law enforcement type stuff. So at the end of the day. Um, the good old boy that we were going to pick yeah. because everybody liked him and he was a hunter finished the bottom of the list. Mm. So that, about, that proved that the selection process was a valuable tool. And it, so are they still doing that today? Yes. So are, is it, has it, has it modified over time? Oh, absolutely. What about, uh, about Kelly and, uh, Mike, how about, how about you guys? Yeah. So, um, I think it's a good idea to have a selection process, but the only problem, like if we came up with one, my selection process may not work for yours. Correct. Your department, just for size and, you know, my applicant or my pool of officers I have to look at. So um, I know uh, if we're going to pick somebody and put them in that position, it's going to be based on what kind of experiences we have with that operator, what, you know, the guy yeah. on the team, what what he's proven in the past and stuff. And it's it's real hard to put somebody that that that's new because one of the things that we always look at is, like, like you said, um, you're going to be deployed by yourself a lot of the time. A lot of time you're away from the rest of the, you know, everybody yeah. else. 
we can't be feeding information back and forth like, hey, we're setting up a react team. Hey, we're getting ready to do this. You just got to know it. So you have somebody that's experienced and they're out, you know, doing Overwatch somewhere. They're they're not going to be asking all those questions. They're going to know, hey, we're setting up a react team. Oh, they're going to put gas up. You know, they're yeah. doing all this. So, uh, you know, it's not, it's just going to depend on who we have available at the time to put in that position. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's tough sometimes because yeah. you want to put some of the newer people that want to do it. But if they don't have that experience, and I learned that uh, even whenever I got into this, I never wanted to be a sniper. This was not oh, my. Really? This was not my deal. Whenever I got on the team, I uh, I wanted to do entry. I wanted MP5. That's back when everybody carried MP5s <laughs> and all that, you know. And uh, they sent me to a lot of uh, entry schools. And uh, my team leader at the time came to me and said, "Hey, I'm going to send you to FBI sniper school." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." And he had a long talk with me. I said, "Hey, I really want to do entry." He said, "Yeah, you're great." He said, "You're one of the better shooters on the team." I trust you. I trust your judgment, what you're doing. This is why I want to put you out here. This is why we sent you all this other training. Mm-hmm. It was either that or I really screwed up. I just didn't know it. It's not, that's, what, that's just what he was telling me. So, oh, yeah, you're my best. Out. So I'm going to send you away. Best, Mike. But uh, anyhow, I... Uh, you're so dependable. I want you to go pick up people from the airport. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, that's, a, that's a dig at me, guys. That's a dig at me. That 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 sucks. See, all right. he's all the right. dick, not me. Uh, yeah. And that's why Dude, I had to work the store, dick. right? It was because I was dependable. You know what? Fuck you guys. You guys came up in a little did you just say you like sniper dick? Is that what you said? I said, I said, yeah, something like yeah. that. <laughs> dig, D-I-G. All right. We're, hey, we're moving on to Kelly because Kelly is responsible. He's going to give us a great answer and not bust my balls. <laughs> so at Lubbock, we don't have a formal selection uh-huh. written policy for the sniper team, but we'll take guys that have been on the team for a little bit. That way they, they have an understanding of what the entry team's doing to help on the intel side of it. They need to understand what the guys are doing and how they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, one difficult thing for selecting snipers is, let's say you've got a department that has 400 officers, and you're trying to, to fill a SWAT team that's 30. So you're selecting 30 guys out of the 400, and then you have to select your sniper out of those 30 guys. So your pool that you're, you're pulling from is not like 400 people. Mm-hmm. And then if they're going to spend, say, two to three years – do an entry or perimeter first, a lot of guys, their SWAT career, either due to injury from all the heavy gear that they're having to, to have on their body during training and call-outs and all that, SWAT careers are not usually 20 years long, Yeah, um, especially not for us. Yeah, I know several years ago, it was probably the average was around five or six years on SWAT, and then either they, they want to promote or go somewhere else or, or go to a different division – so it limits the, the people that you're able to select from is one, one of the difficult things for manning a SWAT team mm-hmm. or a, a sniper team. So at a bare minimum, like what do you guys think that like you have to have to be a sniper at a bare minimum? Because, I mean, like it sounds like all the selection processes are different. Like the two guys from the larger teams have, well, you had, a, you know, uh, Sean had a little bit more intensive sniper tryout. Right. And it was more, you know, baseline getting getting stats on somebody and, and putting their, you know, putting that together. What do we need at a bare minimum? Like what should agencies look for at a bare minimum for a sniper for a, a law enforcement sniper? Well, look, the physical part of it, it's gotta be there. You gotta be able to hump your pack, your weapon system. You may have a large caliber weapon system. You gotta be able to move your equipment. You need to be able to get away from your Tahoe, your trunk, and move downrange toward the target location and 
I, I all often say this, if you're the sniper and you're still getting your stuff out and an entry guy shows up after you and he's already with a slam headed down, yeah. there's something wrong there. The problem is we're not, we do a poor job sitting there saying your stuff should be sectorized in your vehicle, ready to rock and roll. So what do you want? You want someone that has, um, that has that assaulter, that entry experience, that understands how that is. So he needs to do some time a la the military model. The military model doesn't sit there and someone gets on to Delta or the SEALs and you're merely a sniper. That doesn't happen. That is an esteemed position that you have to work yourself into. Yeah. We don't do it in law enforcement like that. We sit there and go, look, I'm going to tell you something you don't even know. Sean doesn't even know this. When I, hired, when I got on the Dallas SWAT team in 1999, I didn't want to be a sniper. I was told to do it because the supervisor had run off the other sniper because of a personality conflict. Oh. And then they didn't send me to a basic sniper course. They sent me to the next one that they had coming up, which was an intermediate sniper course. Oh, I went to the intermediate sniper course and even got even more fucked up. <laughs> and then I went to a basic That's sniper course. That's the Dallas course. way. <laughs> well, look, I, 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 look I'm, not, I'm not trying to air dar- yeah. dirty laundry here. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, this yeah. was 1999. Yeah. yeah. And that that there was no selection process. You're the new FNG. Uh, the supervisor wants a new sniper. Go forth and do see. It. it was kind of a little bit different on on my agency. It was like that's where the old SWAT guys went to kind of die, right? That's, you know, like you know, oh yeah, like look, I'm getting too like too old, yep. beat up for this job, and now I'm gonna move over a sniper. I'm gonna be a sniper for you know for two or three years, and then I'm gonna probably leave the team and 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 move on. Derek, right? One of my mentors. I've got three main mentors on the team. One of my mentors said, hey, look, when I'm ready to kind of retire on duty, I'll go back there and join you guys in the sniper cadre. Mm-hmm. At the time, we actually had to dedicate it for about four years, a dedicated sniper squad. Yeah. I sat there, and that statement bothered me. Yeah. When I am ready to retire on duty from the SWAT team, I'll go back there and lay it behind the gun. What? Yeah. So, Oh, it's not right, but yeah. I mean, that's— So do you—but do you understand— the inertia that that every team has got their own culture and their culture is in Dallas. It is all entry operations all the time. I have had to fight for the last 23 years to basically get sniper operations to the point where it's at, which is very, very integral part in the entire tactical operations. So all you guys now, let's say the guys on the full-time teams, were you guys cross-trained in entry as well and how much entry work would you guys do operationally? Yeah. So in, in Fort Worth, we were cross trained. So maybe back up on the, on the selection process. That was usually a two year guy that could put in for, to become a sniper. a sniper. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. or a specialty and breaching, uh, explosive breacher, stuff like that. But yeah, so about two years on the team. So, um, I think for me, maybe I'm a slow learner, but you guys may be a little, <laughs> I'm way slower. I'm way slower than you. <laughs> it took me i'm gonna say on a full-time team operational i mean you know we were running 200 plus operations a year uh it took me about five, five years, years before my eyes were f- wide yeah. open that's what we say like back when we were full-time it was like and we were we weren't as busy as y'all but we were busy for you know our size of team agency <clears throat> yep it takes about five years for you to get to kind of have a basic understanding of what's going when on. Things slow down, and then yeah. we become that five to ten year guys when you start having a good understanding, and you should start, you know, 
using your knowledge to help the yes. younger guys. And then that 10 year mark, if you're around for that long, because we had this kind of the same thing where you had, you know, guys will be about five, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. And after that guys were promoting, moving on yep. or doing whatever it was. So yeah, but that five year mark for us as well was right. where you were, so had a go, good understanding yeah. of everything that needed to be done. So go back to the question again. Um, uh, so shit. some teams, <laughs> some teams, their sniper team is, is dedicated for sniper only. Yeah. In, in Lubbock, we're cross, cross, cross trained and make yeah. an entry. Yeah. Crossfit. Trained, yeah. Crossfit. We're, we were talking about Crossfit. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead, Kelly. So in Lubbock, we're cross trained. And even though you're on the sniper team, you're still making entries with yeah. on warrants, high risk warrant service. And you can get called depending on the objective. If, if it's not a situation where a sniper is going to be utilized or could be utilized, then you may fall right in with the entry team. Mm-hmm. And so you have the same equipment that all the entry guys have to keep yeah. up with and maintain. And, you and in addition, plus you, your specialty skill set. Yes. Yeah. So my thing with this is, <clears throat> hold on, hold on. Why did Derek just pull up his sleeve? Like the flex. Like, he's trying to scare. Sorry, scratch man. What the hell? Man? All right. So wrong. my, my question with this was, <clears throat> Everybody is cross-trained in entry tactics, right? And if we're not, if we don't need a sniper, then you guys are making entry, right? So how much training on top of the normal entry training should a sniper get monthly, weekly, yearly, quarterly? That does vary. We're kind of dancing in a couple different arenas right now as it is, but I think there needs to be a minimum amount of time on the team before you can put in for a specialty. Mm-hmm. So you understand like all the nuances. Two to three years, depending on two operational to three tempo. Years, right. And so bigger agencies, we have that luxury. Team size, operational-wise, stuff like that. Um, so th- we're about to dance into struggles that are unique for each agency and each team. Yeah. <clears throat> but two years, put in for it. Selection process helps us to vet, put the right people on, on the job. Then you get into the training aspect of it. So a sniper in Fort Worth has to maintain the same level of training as a standard operator on the team. They have to, main, they have to make all those training regiments, those training cycles, and maintain all those things. On top of that, they have to maintain their specialty skill. Oh, wow. And so what's the, what's the number of hours on that? You know, I mean, we've talked about it here with TTPOA. Um, NTOA has talked about it. I think whatever number that you see, you should try to exceed that, um, you know, at least by two. So if it's eight hours a month, I think you should do 16. Mm-hmm. And we wrote, we talked about this. I just wrote an article in the last command magazine about training and opportunities to train. So go back and read that sniper versus entry. There's plenty of opportunities there that, that we're missing on the training aspect. The other aspect is, is there's teams out there that they have, a SWAT team, and then they have a sniper team, yeah. and they're completely two different entities. Right. Who still does that? Because I thought that was like a like a you know or, you know late nineties, early two thousand things where the teams were separated. Because when I first came on, that's how we were, right? And I you know and I was and that was towards the tail end of that for us. And now we're you know we're following what I can consu- what I assume that everyone was doing where we're all encompassing and we had specially tasks or especially jobs within the team. And we, we go around we were, and teach. There's we still, like we're still time. finding teams out there that are doing yeah. that. And I don't know if it's, I, I don't know why, but to me, I totally disagree with it. For me, it does not make sense whatsoever yeah. because there's so many aspects. I mean, that's like, you know, Hey, we're brothers, but you live in a different house and we never come together yeah. except for, you know, family reunion or Christmas, but even when we come together for Christmas, you get to play in the yard, you get to go inside. Yeah. And there's yeah. a disconnect. Cause it makes I, no I, sense. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not trashing our team at all. 
um, all I knew was what I knew uh, when I got on the team, and that's mm-hmm. how we were. Um, and so when it comes to the sniping um, portion of the SWAT, I am not as adverse as a lot of other guys are because that's not that was was my background because it was like okay y'all go play over there we're gonna go play over here uh, and then when it's time to eat dinner together then we'll all sit at the table but after that okay we're gonna go play here and you're gonna play here and then when we have dinner again then we'll all come together um, and so that's what I grew up with but I also looked at just kind of the the negative aspect of that because it did turn me away from ever wanting to do that because. I thought, well, I don't want to be over there. I want to be with this because I like that. But I think when you start incorporating the dual roles and you're able to do both, it entices more guys to go, oh, well, I could still get to do entry, but I also get to do this. And I'm kind of interested in this. Like, that's that's fascinating to me, this long rifle, the math or the precision of what it takes because, man, that that's going to probably translate into me being a better shot with my, my, my rifle and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's the better way to go. And, and coming from someone who didn't have that, now we are starting to integrate that with, with our team because our sniper team just went through a whole new, um, just new people coming on and stuff. So we're like, okay, we can start this now and move forward. And I mean, I've talked to all y'all about this and I think other guys, our snipers, I know have reached out to y'all and helped y'all train and stuff like that because they're trying to learn where they fit in at. You know, we just got into an argument with our admin, sorry, with our admin because they're talking about making us full time again. And they're talking about making the, and they want to make the snipers as their separate entity again. And we're like, where, why, why, why are you doing this? And they're like, well, that's what you guys wanted. And we're like, who told you that we wanted this? Because, and when our snipers are in this meeting, they're like, this is, this, no one does that. That's not a thing anymore. No one does that. It's, it's bad for training. It's bad for, uh, you know, understanding what the entry team is doing. I mean, it's just bad, but that's again, how those admin guys were thinking because somewhere somebody told them that <clears throat> SWAT and snipers need to be a separate entity. Yeah, and I, I would almost call BS on that. There, There is no best practice out there coming from American Sniper Association, National Tactical Officer Association. Well, they don't look at that. They don't look that stuff up. They well, don't. Then, then they get called on it. Well, yeah, and, 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 then and that we could did. affect your career. Well, you know what? And, and I'll be honest with you. We called them on it, and uh, they're like, well, we were told this is what you want. Well, who told you? Who was telling you that is wrong? This is not what we want. They're sitting, the six or eight dudes are sitting right here. They'll <laughs> tell you exactly yeah. what they want. Yeah. Right. And they were like, okay, well, I mean, I was wrong. So, I mean, kudos for them for, you know, for agreeing or for saying, hey, we're sorry. But again, the people making decisions don't, don't understand even what you guys do. I, I want to mention the role of police sniper has got to be, <clears throat> has got to be seen as a choice specialty on the team. Yeah. Meaning guys, the current guys that occupy those roles are, the above or average SWAT operators. If you have the dumping ground, if you have snipers that are not respected, they're not viewed uh, in a way that um, guys gravitate toward them to seek their knowledge, then you're going to stay in this this spot where tragedy can happen. Mistakes can be made. We're, we are deploying by ourselves because of manpower issues. It's, no one is exempt from this. We're, I'm a full-time team, and, and some listening to this may be shocked 
look, I'm telling you the realities of it. Probably the last five barricades and HRs I was on, Mark was deployed by himself. We had another sniper, hopefully, on the, the opposite side. That's the realities of this position. And you're on a large team. Yeah, <laughs> but it's always a manpower. So back to the original statement, we must make it the police sniper role a choice specialty so yeah. we can attract those that really want to do it. When guys come onto the team, when they come onto the Dallas SWAT team, they don't want to be on a precision rifle, even though they may enjoy yeah. a precision rifle. They may do competitive shooting themselves with a precision rifle. They want to be up there at the breach point. That's the last thing they want to do is to be back on the rifle. And that is a problem we've had with our team is because they don't, they don't gravitate to wanting to do it, even when it's their assignment based on their responsibilities at the time of month and everything. They would rather be up there doing the entry work because, again, they see it. Some, go with me on this, some see it as a less important role during a tactical operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Um, that. That was kind of my mindset for many, many years um, until I got in and, and started doing what I was doing now and talking with men like you and other guys. Um, then I started seeing the value, but also the, um, the actual job and duties that, that y'all have. And then when my eyes were open to that, I was like, Oh wow. Like, man, we could use them here. Or this is something, a valuable option. This is okay. Let's, let's start looking at that. And I think I attribute that to just talking with y'all and, and having guys in for these classes that I have, or even talking to, you know, we, we had, um, when y'all were walking in, uh, Matt Pranka talking to the guys that have come from his background you'll talk with them yeah i was a sniper team leader for this you know too many of this and i'm like damn but it's over and over all these guys have that background as well as being hey i'm a tier one insulter as well so i think they um I, that was shocked when i started hearing those guys like that do that um because you just think oh they're all assaulters but no there's there's so many tools that they use and i think i think it's good I, and i think too y'all are even a the swat community is a um, a small community in itself. Y'all are even a specialty within our SWAT community. So there's even less of y'all than there is me of just pure assault guys. So that even makes it harder challenge for y'all to, to deal with and to get the information out to, like you said, teams that aren't doing that. Even, I, I think it's just, there, there's so many things that y'all are having to deal with that a lot of us don't know uh, as well because a lot of times, hey, y'all go over there, play over there. Y'all go over here. Y'all go over here. And no one knows, like, what's a sniper's uh, practice like? <laughs> you know, most guys don't even know that. Yeah, I mean, look, there there are more uh, officer-involved shootings on the entry side of the house than there is police sniper. Now, I will tell you, uh, with American Sniper Association, since the 80s, mm. we have well over 500 police sniper OISs. We probably have another 100 or 150 that are not reported. Wow. Not reported because, again, we're still trying to get that information out that, that all you have to do is fill out a one-page document, send it in, and we collect it for, for analytical data for purposes that. only. But with that being said, um, again, my team could sit there and say the same thing. How many times has a Dallas police sniper t- 
taking a shot. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you look just at our team, as you sit there and justify the expenditure of monies, training, personnel, and everything, if you just simply look at it with those optics, you may sit there and say, let's just cut it. Yeah, it's not worth it. You may go to another agency. You may go to Lubbock and say, hey, look, they've had um, two in the last three years, and there have been good shoots. Mm-hmm. They've saved lives. Let's let's keep adding to their numbers. Yeah, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, in a period of about 18 months, a year and a half, had six police sniper OISs. Dang. Their agency thought that they were trigger happy. Mm. They brought in Derek Bartlett from American Sniper Association. He came in there and reviewed each one of them. Admin was thinking that he was going to, they were going to be supported by him, Mm -hmm. that they were going to agree with their thinking. He then, after examining all this, interviewing all the snipers, interviewing the team, went and presented his report to the admin. And it was simply this. You guys did what they were supposed to do. Their training is where it's supposed to be. I have nothing negative to say about the snipers for Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. They are not screwed up. They are not trigger happy. What do you think admin did? Went somewhere else they, to get some They couldn't wait for him <laughs> to, look to leave it. quick enough <laughs> and take that report and shred it. Yeah. Or get somebody else to come in that would buy in on their on their mindset mm-hmm. or way of thinking. No, it, it, it's that is wrong. I mean, it's so wrong at so many levels. Yeah, so you touched on it, Brandon. Um, there's a lot of rivalry between snipers and the entry guys, and, mm-hmm. and we joke around yeah, a lot. there is. But you can get a, a young guy that he might be interested in the sniper team, but because of some of that. And we can ruin him on the assault side. He, he doesn't want to try out because yeah. he doesn't want to be – he doesn't want to be on the smaller side, you know, a group of six instead of a group of, of 30 yeah. and have to put up with that. So he may not even try out. Yeah. You, can, you can force a guy to go over there, or you can select a guy that has an interest in going over there. The yeah. guy that has the interest is going to be a lot easier to train because he's taking it serious and he wants to be there instead yeah. of being told he has to be there. So he's, he's going to do better than a guy that's just forced into it. Oh, yeah. Um, and then on the mental side that, that you touched on, Mark, on – the decision making going on an entry into a room, you got a guy that's threatening you. That's an easy decision to use use lethal force to defend yourself. But you have that standoff as a sniper to where you're using deadly force or or could be using deadly force, not in defense of your, your own self, but of a third Third person. person, And for some people, that's a harder decision. So they've got to really understand the use of force policy and the law and how it's applied. And they've got to have that, that willingness to use that if it comes to that situation where they have to stop that threat. And, and it can't be not all of them. So don't, don't hear me when I say this, but a lot of it could be, it's not as in it, isn't it as a dynamic situation being behind the gun and seeing the guy there for several seconds and having to make that decision. Go, okay, man, this is that gray area. Like, this is not like you said, I come around a corner, the guy has a gun, bam, I'm more reacting. This is, there's a thought process to this of building the totality of knowing all the information that this person's doing because one little thing changes and you're like, shit, I can't shoot this guy now. You add one little thing, you're like, oh, well, this, I, 
And then there's one thing that could be added. You're like, oh, this is 100%. But there's some that gray area where you're like, man. And you see in the movies, you got the green light. You got the green light. You know, that kind of stuff. So it's, it, it's very interesting. Go ahead, Mark. I know you No, it, it's, it's a maturity level. It's a seasoning process. That's why even if you go through and attend a basic sniper course, which I'll say this, needs to be 50 hours. It doesn't need to be 40 hours. You, you it, it, and, and I understand we're stuck in this five-day-a-week, six-day training We do 50, cycle. though, don't we? Okay. Yeah. yeah, we do 50. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah, um, yeah we do 50. They're, they're across the country. There are some training providers out there actually still doing three-day courses. Oh, shit. And that, that 50 is a true 50. It's not a, <laughs> you're, you're going to get off early today. That's a Kelly Perkle 50-hour course. Right <laughs> it is a solid 50 to 60 hours. I came out there, the very first school I hosted him, and it was like, I don't know, like a Wednesday or something. And I walked out there half the day, and these dudes were getting their ass kicked. And he is like drenched in sweat. I'm like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Well, I'm running around. They're chasing me." I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" He goes, "No, that's just." I'm like, "All right, man." Sean was over there. He was in the shade though, and you know, well, there's there's smart snipers and there's, there's snipers. <laughs> <laughs> He's all soft. He's used to that indoor range. Uh-huh, of uh-huh. He was over there. He was over there with the the shade and a tripod, and everybody's laying down. So, and Clay's over there running around. For the most part, you guys have been agreeing with everything that we're saying, and I and I kind of want to see like a sniper argument yeah. between you guys. So, what's, what's one of those? What what can we argue over? Is it like weapon platforms and round and, and like what round we're going to carry? Yeah, Derek, that's on a serious note. That's what is. That's why I still to this day and will continue to serve the sniper community because we don't argue or have differences that separate us like the entry operations side. Yeah, really, we have more in common because our TTPs are more aligned. It doesn't matter if you're Miami Dade in South Florida yeah. or you're sitting there at your Los Angeles Sheriff's Department out there in Northern California or, or Central California. We our TTPs are more in line, okay? They're not standardized, they're not perfect. I'm not saying yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we have we have more in common than we have not in common. Yeah. Cuz well, this show sucks. <laughs> <laughs> we no. we communicate a lot. I know that um the networking like through TTPOA and yeah. just you know being able to get on our app and, and or our WhatsApp, you know, and ask questions yeah, but and stuff. WhatsApp? But I know wow. um can I get on the WhatsApp just to be cool? I know, like, if we have a question about something, uh, just something that comes up, a piece of equipment even, yeah. or a policy or something we're teaching or whatever, I can pick up the phone and, you know, I'll call I'll call Kelly mm-hmm. or I'll call Sean or something, and we can cut it up and kind of, you know, get some different ideas. So um, I know we've mentioned the uh, American Sniper Association, but wealth of information and stuff, and it's really good. They've done so much uh, for the sniper community and just, you know, research and uh, statistics and different things. Uh, it's real easy to get with them and see, you know, what they're doing and what yeah. they recommend and everything. Well, do you think that also comes back to uh, there's more measurable metrics for y'all than there is for, say, the entry side of that? Because how do, what, what's the metric of, okay, these guys do strong wall. These guys do point of domination. These guys do, you know, this, as opposed to what the stopper does, there's math involved, there's – uh, weather elements involved, but a lot of that can go back to, Hey, here's the data right here. Here's what it does right here. Here's, here's this. Okay. Here's what this gun does. Here's what I know. With So there's a lot of just metrics that can be, that can be, um, taken from what y'all do as, a, as opposed to some of the, there's really not a lot of metrics with us. Now, if we go on the range and shoot, Hey, I know what this drill time limit is. Uh, okay. So there's a metric. You either hit it or you didn't hit it. Um, 
Would you agree with that, or, or, or am I just fucking just talking out of my ass? So if you're breaching a door uh-huh. and you have a slammer, uh-huh. then what what do you what are you teaching them, Derek? Where are you teaching them hit hit the door? Hit hardware. the door. Hardware. Hit it hard. Period. And if and if it's and if it's fortified, then you transition to what? The hinges. Top hinge first. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. There's no you know, there's no precision in that. It's it's yeah. either this or it's that. Right. Um with us, everything is about, you know, yardage. Yeah. Um time, time of flight, impact, uh moving. I mean, there's thing Mike Panone said this. You know, there's three things that are going to happen. Yeah. You can train it. You can try to train it. But these three things are going to happen. Lighting conditions are going to suck. Yeah. Your target's going to be moving, and you're going to be moving. Mm. So you have all those things with us, too. Yeah. So, like, the old adage about, hey, get down the prone position, that's the best position you can get in. For, for sure, get in it. Yeah. But know that the lighting's going to change, your target's going to be moving, and you're going to be moving yeah. to adjust to that target. Mm. So... All right, so here's a question for you guys. <clears throat> and there's a lot of math involved. I just didn't. I skipped over that. So yeah, that was kind of my point. I there's, mean, there's you guys. No, seriously, like, like the math stuff is 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 ridiculous. That's why I was a horrible sniper. I just lay down and just kind of held and got lucky and just kind of hit what I was aiming at. And they're like, "Hey, you should go be like like go like go be a sniper." I'm like, "Oh fuck." So so on the, <laughs> I really don't want to. <laughs> so on on the math part, like I was raised in the Marine Corps. It was it was easy for Mongo. If you were shooting 700 yards, you reached up on your fix or your t- 10 power unertal scope, not variable powder, power, still body scope, because you were going to try to break it. And you were at 700 yards, you dialed it till you saw the number seven and then you mm-hmm. shot. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy. Yeah. Get over into the LE community, Army side, military side, LE community. Now they're talking minutes and mils, mm-hmm. minute of angle, mil radians. And so those are units of measurements. And then it's like, okay, your reticle is in mil radian, but your adjustments on your turrets are in a minute of angle. So there's two different languages you're speaking there. So I'm sorry, when, what? I'm so yeah. lost. What? Yeah, exactly. Are we so, talking about so CrossFit? Now, now you have to do the conversion between your minute of angle, which is 1.047 inches at 100 yards. And then your mill, oh. which is three point six, I mean point three six, one or a, a tenth of a mill. And all y'all are like, nerding out. yeah, like, so all, like, all these guys so, are nerding out what he's so saying. So now you have now. to make those. So they're speaking yeah. two different languages. Now you have to you have to do a conversion to make them do the same thing, or you go to a, a mill reticle uh-huh. and a mill turret adjustment and have them speak the same language. So you have all those different things. Okay, so things. as a grunt, why would you not do that? Yeah, I think I would do that. Exactly. Well, exactly. So it was part of that, and I got this from a, um old Marine Corps scout sniper, institutional inertia, because that's the way we've always done, done it. it. Yeah, yeah. So that's the way I was told to do it. That's the way we always did it. It makes sense to put it, to make it speak the same language. However, for our new snipers, we send them to a basic sniper school with a mil reticle and an MOA adjustment. Because it's like driving a, when you're teaching a kid how to drive a car, you teach him to drive a standard, you can drive an automatic all day. That's what mill mill does. Right. But you teach him a mill and an MOA, you're teaching them both languages at the same time. So, but why would you not want to make it simple for your guys? Like, uh, I mean. You would, but it's very expensive for a a department to outfit a SWAT team. So Mm -hmm. you have a budget set for your SWAT team. And then within that budget, you have to break it down into 
body armor, ammo, yeah. weapons, and then your sniper team, you have to outfit them as well. And so are expensive. It, it is a huge expense. Mm-hmm. And to get the right stuff, the equipment that they need, it, there's a lot of money that has to go into that. Yeah. But you're trying to, you have a limited amount in that budget that you're trying to divide it up so that you cover all the equipment for the entire team. So mm-hmm. teaching the basic schools, we'll have guys come through with inferior equipment that they've had for a long time. Yeah. And the department is setting that sniper up in a really difficult situation because it's like a computer. You can buy that computer, but yeah, six months later, there's something better. better. And, and right now. We're so in- how often should you be like changing your gear out? I mean, like for like what you guys do, if you buy really good gear, the best you can get right then, you're not going to have to change it out as quick, but you still have to maintain that weapon and look for round count. If you need to rebarrel the weapon, there's a lot of things that go into that, mm-hmm. but we'll see the sniper team within the team is usually the last one to get some of the equipment. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to quote uh, the new Texas Tactical Police Officer Association's president, oh. uh, Dan Colasanto, <laughs> at this point. All right. Uh, this, should uh, be, Dan, this should be rich. All man, right. I love you. I love you to death. Mm. Uh, God bless the Garland SWAT team. <laughs> uh, everything you snipers want, $1,000. Yeah. You want a notebook? It's $1,000. You want a ruler? It's $1,000. You want a new uh, sniper pack? It's $1,000. And that's his rant. Uh-huh. And sometimes you can argue it. Yeah. Sometimes you can't. And yeah. just to your point, uh, this specialty yeah. is very expensive. Look, if you're going to field a SWAT team, yeah. It is no, and again, every it's like every corner you turn around, you roll into another city. It, it, it used to not be that way, but everybody's fielding some type of a part-time SWAT team. Yeah. But it is very, very expensive. If you're going to field a sniper element, it is very, very expensive. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Dan always cracks me up when he has that little point there about uh, that, that, that part of it. Yeah, because, like, you, you put it on our rifles, a, a red dot. I mean – there's just a few quality ones that you can buy, and most of teams have either or. You know, maybe there's a third option out there. Some teams have, but at the end of the day, it's a red dot. Other, other than that, y'all stuff. There is so many. I, mean, I, I've heard some arguments. I've heard guys talk about. Okay, I want. I like this power scope, and I was like, no, I like this, and or I like this. So there's there's well, there's so many different things that you can choose from that that make it expensive, whereas. Our stuff, it's, it's a red dot. It's right around the same price for everyone. Y'all's could be so different, I, correct? I'm yeah. kind of glad like you guys brought that up because I want to get into like equipment selection, right? So like you guys, <laughs> right, on a full-time team, uh, being where we're at in, a, in an urban environment, would you guys have the same type of equipment that say that uh, Kelly and Mike would have? Yeah, these two. Kinda, and that's what's I was kind of more like, a, like, like in a rural setting. Because I'm fucking awesome, bro. No, because you're a no, cheater. No, absolutely not. Um, you know, Fort Worth and Dallas – Two different teams operating the same mentality, same mindset, same tempo. Um, but when it comes to sniper teams, I mean, we have sometimes been, you know, it, it's like your blinker. Sometimes the, the the blinker flashing in your dashboard is flashing with the same sound that you hear and then it gets off. Uh-huh. So we're kind of like that, too. It's like it's, sometimes we have the same equipment and then somebody pushes out and is a trendsetter or the leader in it uh-huh. or was, was able – Maybe we were all doing it at the same time, but that agency 
our agency or their agency was able to make the purchase before for or the justification to the executive, you know, to purchasing or budget yeah. or whatever before another agency was. But then we support each other. Yeah. I mean, there's been a couple of times that I've written papers to Mark's chiefs in support of a platform that they're trying to go to mm. and vice versa, because we were able to get out in front of them on it. And they're like, okay, well, if they're doing it, why did they do it? And so we help them out with that. But when it comes to equipment, like I'm a Leopold guy. That's that's what I grew up on. That's me. That's what I did. Mark's over here doing the no, no, no. Making like a weird gagging face. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Um, he's a Night Force guy. But in, in at the end of the day, it's Ford and Chevy. Yeah. That's that's kind of, that's kind of my argument with all this. It really, stuff. but it's really like GMC, Denali, and Lincoln. I mean, they're they're top. Yeah, they're top they, products. You guys are like like Cadillac and yeah. right. They're they they are up there when it comes to quality, and they perform the same the same thing. They do the they do the same things. It's yeah. just what does the user like? What does what? That's what Mark likes. That's what that's what Sean likes. Yeah. So what, 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 what are y'all? Yeah. So um, just I mean, every department you have a bigger department, they're going to have a bigger budget usually. Um, something that I remember whenever I first got into this, I was putting a lot of time and effort into training and, you know, taking this, my, my assignment, you know, seriously. And I tell everybody, even now I buy good gear. I buy, I spend a lot of money on the snipers on the whole, on the whole team. They're probably gonna have to spend some of their own money. Right. That's just part of it. Now you're a scope um, guy like these guys, like don't this. say that to a millennial now. <sighs> well, you're right. But whenever I, back in the 90s, you know, back in the day, yeah. whenever I, I had an old rifle with an old Leopold 3.5 to 10 power, right, um, still quality equipment for the time, but I could shoot as good as anybody, no matter, you know, what mm-hmm. the price or what, what kind of equipment they had. But I remember I put in for a new rifle, a new illuminated scope, because that was, that was the thing. Mm-hmm. Back then was the illuminated scopes were the new thing. And I remember the, uh, the team commander at the time, uh, good guy, great guy and everything, but he was an entry guy. And uh, he came to me, he goes, hey, we're not putting any of this in the budget. If we have money, we're spending it all on entry. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, well, we really need this. And, you know, his his comment was the chances of us ever using a sniper in Tyler is slim and none. Oh. And so I'm Let like, well, you're you. telling me that what I'm training <laughs> for and what I'm preparing myself for and what I'm doing is for nothing. Yeah. Challenge you know? accepted, homie. Here we so go. So that was kind of the you. mentality. It's yeah. kind of, You know, all departments are like that. It's kind of until something happens, they'll start spending money. But you guys on have had, yeah, Tyler engagements with snipers. Yeah, I've, I've had, had one, two of them. Yeah, I've See, had so two in yeah, in my career there. So, yeah. so after the first one, um, which I went out and before it happened, I uh, I spent a bunch of my own money and bought a illuminated reticle scope. And then when we had an incident that was in low light, that I was able to put an end to because of my illuminated oh. scope. Now we have all night force and new rifles and. We have a pretty good budget for our sniper equipment, so it's usually sure. nothing's ever. So, so, so it goes back to somebody said earlier. It takes that one incident one to go bad or good to where they go, oh shit! Now, now we need to put the money into the sniper section. We got to buy these guys, uh, you know, the scope of their choice or the equipment that they want or whatever. Yeah, it's like Kelly, I mean, you're shaking your head, Kelly. So, but I, but I, so yeah. for my my like level of knowledge on this, I do look at like. Big city guys over here, Lubbock, fucking wind all the damn time. Not as much humidity as East Texas has, and stuff like that. There, that has to play a part in too. Maybe equipment selection, or am I wrong? Or am I right? I mean, oh no. Well, a little bit. And the only reason I'll say that is because, like, um, 
the average police sniper shot 50 to 70 yards, somewhere in there. It yeah. varies, you know, back and forth. 59. Uh, 59. Today. You said between 50 and 70. Are, did you check it today? Oh. <laughs> oh. Per the uh, police sniper utilization report, 2021, 59. So he didn't check it that day. God almighty. <laughs> 2022. Excuse me. <laughs> so, it's, only, it's only published in odd number of years. Oh, Ooh, hey, hey, whoa, that, hey, yeah. touchy. Damn, Mark, dude. Mark, Mark, have a sip of the beer. We're, hey, we're all about, Dude, he know. retired. He's like, <laughs> fuck it's all about, y'all. It's about precision. It's so about it's not, precision. Absolutely, though. Yeah. So it's not precise. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the, like, platforms, right? Um, if if you guys had, like, unlimited budget, okay? Burroscopes, right? Burroscopes, Bur- <laughs> everybody. <laughs> what would be, what would be, like, how many weapon platforms would you guys have for your operational or for your area of operation? Like, bolt gun, gas gun, M4, like, yeah, sure. Mm. Christmas list. Let, let me throw this out. I'm going to make a controversial statement, and I, mm. I don't know if everyone at this table is going to agree with this. And I saw this again two weeks ago out in Phoenix okay. at Sniper Fest. If you're a police sniper, in my opinion, and many, but in my opinion, if you are running a Remington 700 sniper rifle with the original stock trigger in it, you should not be. You should not be. I witnessed again, gun would not fire, round is chambered, it's on fire. The sniper then re-racks reacquire because he thinks he's got a bad dead round or something like that. Raises the bolt handle up slightly. Not only did this occur two weeks ago once, it occurred twice. Mm. And we have, and look, if you're an administrator or supervisor out there, and I'll say this tomorrow, and I'm going to bring it. If you've got your guys out there with Remington 700s, okay, a seven $800 rifle, with glass that probably is fifteen hundred dollars costs more than that, and it's the original. It's it's the it's the new gun. I don't care if it's the old Remington seven hundred or it's the new one with the Pro Mark II trigger in it. We are still having unintentional discharges. Get off your asses and pull these guns out of service. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that one hundred percent. There's different opinions on what kind of rifles to run. Fine, custom built rifles, uh, a ton of them. Uh, we mostly run AIs, Accuracy International. They're just built like a tank. Uh, they're the only gun my, that personally I would trust the safety on. I don't trust the safety. So Accuracy International bolt gun. Bolt gun. Right. Yeah, uh, so are we saying like bolt gun for that long distance, and then like gas gun, like an M4 with like a variable power? You know, I, I that that could we could spend all day talking about you know autos and bolt guns. I think an auto is a fun gun. I have auto guns uh, that you know semi auto guns that I run uh, for hunting and for doing fast shots and playing around. But for that one precise shot, I've never seen any. If, if anybody could tell me a, 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 a semi-auto gun that is consistently accurate and precise as some of the finer bolt guns, I'll go buy it today. I just, I've never been able to find one. I've always had issues with them. They're, they're precise, but mm-hmm. they move around a lot, depending on, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, It's mostly shooter-induced, and that's, that's the problem is they're, they're accurate guns, but it's the shooter that can't shoot the gun properly as as well as a bolt gun, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's just a lot of move. I mean, if you look at like um to be con- to be consistent for accuracy, to make the, the shot go in the same hole every time, it's either pure luck or it's everything's exactly the same. It's gotta be consistent. So you look at all the moving parts on a semi auto gun, yeah. gas, return, blowback, buffer tube, everything yeah. moving around and everything. And then you look at a bolt gun. 
So a bolt gun is just an old-fashioned mousetrap. <laughs> and uh, a, semi, a semi-auto gun is like the Tom and Jerry mousetrap where he does all the stuff and everything <laughs> moves around and then one thing's off and, you know, yeah. it messes up. Uh, I just, like I said, I have some good auto guns that I hunt with that are very accurate. Well, so let's talk about that 59-yard distance, right? That's an average. So let's talk about that. Like, I mean, I could probably put like an aim point or attack on my M4 and, and at 59 yards probably I could hit, hit somebody in the head. head. Yeah, but if he gets down, some of it is being that absolute precise shooting an eraser off the end of a pencil, so let me, very let me, precise shot. You're not going to get that with a with a – let me let me break that down. We we live in a world that we call a, a one MOA world. It's got to be one MOA gun or better. So mm-hmm. go back to that minute of angle. So mm-hmm. it's got to shoot a one inch group at a hundred yards or better. Um, that that's the world that we live. If it doesn't, then the gun's trash, according right. to snipers. Mm-hmm. So um, Buford Boone, who was a lead ballistician for FBI and created the ball, the, the ballistics lab and all that stuff for FBI, um, he brought up some great points at a sniper symposium back at Virginia beach several years ago, this was a magnificent one was that, okay. So if you take that one MOA gun, what's your average deployment distance? You said around 50 yards, 59, right? Get 59 right. to be precise. Get right, According to 2021 <laughs> data from the American sniper association. So let's yeah. be where the, I let's, let's put my, all the facts into the pot. Hey, your there. boss might fire you because you didn't say, you said <laughs> my fi- director, you said 50 and you my looked boss at him. Is, my boss is looking my at wife. Your, your this hand is, were over This here. is my director. Your director. <laughs> right. Your director. <laughs> right. So you take, you take that, that one, one MOA gun. And let's just say it's a two MOA gun mm-hmm. at a hundred yards. Yeah, it, it's, right. So it yeah. shoots a two inch group at 100 yards just to break it down. Now you go to your average deployment distance for a law enforcement sniper, which is around 50 yards. Mm-hmm. Half of 100 is 50. Mm-hmm. Half of two inches is one inch. So you still, in essence, have a one MOA gun at 100 yards. So we get wrapped around the axles when it comes to that. Now, let me break it down even further. Take your family. Mm-hmm. Right, your your wife or your child has been taken hostage, and that that picture that window right. of a shot is half of a face. And then let's go back to what we talked about earlier, like Mike Panone put out: lighting, your target's going to be moving, and you're going to be moving. Yeah. Do you want that gun that shoots okay, or do you want that gun that shoots no. lights out every single time? No, for sure. For yeah. Sure. So selection for people to be on the sniper team and selection of equipment. Yeah. That should be the consideration. If it's your child that's taken hostage, mm-hmm. do you want the guy put on the sniper team that was just forced to go over there because yep. he's the oldest guy on the team, or do you want the guy that's the best shot, that's capable of doing it, has the mindset to do it, and do yep. you want him to have the cheapest weapon that they can get because it fits within the budget, or yep. do you want them to have the best equipment to ensure the reliability and the precision that needs to be because yeah, it comes down to you have to be a confident you have to be confident in your equipment uh and if you're not it's gonna mind fuck you i mean it, it, it is i mean i've had we've had rifles that we've tnied and stuff and i'm like man i it's just i don't feel comfortable with this rifle because it's not doing what i know it should do um so i don't want this thing we, we talk or about it's not that. doing what the manufacturer said it would yeah. do. Yeah, that, and that, that's, that's well, a, he, as well. He brought up about the uh, Remington 700. I'm not dogging that. It's some mm-hmm. fine action and everything else. But um, well, I see a lot of departments that are running cheaper guns or older guns, like you said. And I'll have guys call me. I have you know, 
uh, chiefs called me or sheriffs called me, you know, and asking about uh, different things and say, you know, what kind of rifle do you recommend? And whenever I, I, I'll say, you know, whatever, I, yeah. an AI or whatever, you know, how much? I said four or 5000 somewhere around that, you know, oh, well, we're not going to spend that much. It sounds like a lot of money, uh, but. Yeah, but how many zeros are you going to add to yeah, that check yeah, at the I'm, end? Well, if, just even like even some of the guys, I try to give this, you know, in my class, I'll, I'll say, hey, get it. Because I'll see guys with expensive rifles, expensive scopes, and $30 scope rings from Academy, you know. <laughs> and it's like, hey, man, go buy, you know, spend about two or 300 bucks to get some good rings or get a, you know, a one-piece spur mount or something, you know. Yeah. And um, they're like, well, how much are those? I said, you know, 350 400 bucks. And they're like, oh, holy oh, You know, yeah. I say, look, if you took your car to the shop and they had to fix something that was just really important and it was only 350 bucks, but it was going to have – last the lifetime of the car you go oh, that's all same thing you know i tell the you know look if you could buy a patrol car that cost 4500 bucks and it was going to be good for the next 20 or 30 years then yeah. you know they're not going to have to worry about it you get, you spend the money up front you're not going to have to worry about it. you're not going to have to worry about the trigger you're not going to have to worry about it you know having an ad or something um, yeah you know the 900 pound grill in here is also those that are um that's Derek. That's Derek. <laughs> As I look at Derek, assholes. This, so, sorry. I, I the wannabe sniper gorilla. As I look at you, yeah, the wannabe sniper gorilla. Oh. That's who likes sniper dick. It was really tight fit inside that closet, wasn't it, Derek? It was a mousetrap. And then <laughs> I forgot sucked. about the mousetrap in Waco. That competition. Thing. All right, Mark. Mark. Oh, oh, Mark. Talk more about listen, that later. Listen, yes. Yes. Listen, yes, Mark's yes, gonna have yes. like an intelligent comment, and you guys are just fucking being dicks. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Procurement. <laughs> Who's in charge of procuring these things? Um, even for sniper rounds, well, it should be it should be the individual be, sniper, but, but it's it should going be, to it the decision makers. Those snipers and look, everybody may everybody that's a sniper from senior to junior is going to have an opinion, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have a voice when it comes to it. If I've got a new FNG sniper, I'm sorry, you can have an opinion, and he's probably going to sit there and say. Man, what about six five Creedmoor? Because that's the sexy round now. It's mm. it's going to push away three. Mm. What are we doing Winchester. here? I'm are stirring we, the pot. Are you stirring the pot? So, so we're pot. not going to shoot one sixty eight metal uh, metal gold match anymore. Or? No, because six five is sexier. Six, it is sexier. That's what that's what I was told. Six, six, Mark, Mark's Creed. coming in here like Stone Cold Steve six, Austin, just Creed. throwing Man, shit around, drinking I'm beer, drinking no, literally, dude. Days. He's drinking beer and just fucking crushing beer. Dude. <laughs> so, so, All right, wait, wait. To now, why are you pointing at Kelly? Are Kelly? Are you a six five Creedmoor guy? Oh shit! Here we go. Yeah, so we switched to six five Creedmoor. <laughs> uh, before we get into that, I just want to finish that. And really, seriously, those that are in charge of making the decisions about kit, precision rifles, rifle scopes, uh, specialty rounds, and stuff like that. Look, it is not standardized, and it's different in every place. I continually have guys come up to me and say, the range master, and this is not relating to Dallas, the range master, he orders our Boattail Hollow Point rounds. I've already gone to him and showed him that 84% of police sniper shootings that are in the American the Police Sniper Utilization Report show that it is a pass-through. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care because he wants to continue to order federal gold medal match 168. So the problem is those that continue to be in those positions to order equipment. You can go and 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 sing your song, have your justification, have a PowerPoint. You can do all that stuff, but you have people that still are closed-minded that yeah. will not well, allow you to approve the shame on those people for not listening to their guys that are actually doing the job 
that are requesting the right equipment for their job. Yeah, right? you're, you're cooking it, and they're buying the ingredients. Okay. You're like, wait so a before you guys get started on this 308-65-Creed more. I was going to go into, you know, this um, a, a, a true open-air round, sniper round, versus a gold medal match target round. Mm-hmm. You know, the gold medal match was designed for a 300-yard shot to hit paper. Yes, yeah, so precision. there's a lot on that. Yeah. Back in the day. So now we're talking about we're we're shooting to incapacitate. Go back to that, you know, shooting the, the color of the paper somewhere on the body versus a precision shot for an immediate incapacitation round, as Mike was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And I want that round that's going to immediately incapacitate the subject. And again, I'm moving, my target's moving, mm-hmm. right? So my window is bigger now. I want that round that no matter where it hits – Somewhere in the head, it's going to immediately incapacitate. Mm. So, what's the hydrostatic shot? What's what is what is the terminal ballistics going to do with that round? With the 168, it's going to when Mark says pass through means it's going to hit its target and go beyond it. So, anything beyond that target is subject to be hit, yeah. being hit by that round, and that could be perimeter. Yeah, your guys. That's your lawsuit right there, or another, <laughs> or somebody in another room. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can't believe anybody even. And it's, it's a fine round for, like you said, shooting paper or shooting steel, target yeah. shooting or whatever. But even Sahara Bullets come out with a statement, you know, years back about, hey, this, this we guarantee the accuracy, you know, the uh, um, external ballistics, but nothing uh, terminal ballistics. That means when it hits something. Yeah. Uh, I've shot a lot of stuff with this because we've had thousands and thousands of rounds. It's a very accurate bullet. It's fine. You shoot little one-hole groups yeah. with it. Um, but I've also used it to hunt with, you know, Anything from coyotes to pigs to whatever, it zips right through them. They run off. Probably going to kill them, but there's no, um, there's no external as far right. internal ballistics as far as you know uh, putting that energy in the target. And if it's going through hogs, uh, it's going through us. Yeah, it's going through people. So it's the same thing. Uh, now we did carry this because this was the round to carry for years. Yeah, and um, uh, both the shootings that I've had with a 308 were with this round, mm-hmm. and uh, it's always a consideration because like when i get deployed somewhere i'm looking at hey where's the perimeter team where's my react team how many walls are between us you know all that uh i know one of them uh the the round i was in an elevated position and i had to uh return fire on a guy but um it went through the guy through his head into the dash of the car through the dash through the firewall through the fender and into a steel bumper and it was a 60s model car damn so we went through all that had i been ground level just looking at a you know drywall yeah. behind them. Where's that going? I'd have been, you know, concerned about. Hey, where are my guys back behind there? Um, another shooting. Um, I had to uh, make a shot on a guy, and again, I, I made sure that I had his brick house in my background because we had a huge perimeter set up. I was concerned the whole time. The whole time I'm out there thinking, hmm, I wonder where I need to make sure where all the perimeter guys are because of the overpenetration. Because. Over the years, I've shot so many things, yeah. and I watched the the round zip right through big pigs, you know, two three hundred pound pigs, yeah. zip right through them. It's going to hit somebody and keep going. So, um, but with all that said, it's something we cover in our basic classes. I know all these guys do as well, and I'm not trying to take any business away from any any yeah. company. But that is not a law enforcement round. It's not what it's designed for. I mean, we wouldn't even think about running something less lethal. Yeah. It wasn't designed for less lethal stuff. So yeah. But we're running something for lethal. It's not designed for, for lethal, lethal stuff. It's yeah. designed to shoot no, that, that, that's a so good it'll point. do the trick if you shoot somebody in the head. But 
Not always, because there was a shooting not long ago where a guy got shot and it hit him in the in the chin. Yeah, and yeah, uh, it stopped the guy, but it didn't didn't kill him. It didn't stop him quick enough. Right. Uh, had that been a ballistic tip bullet, it it have probably stopped him a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. That's because the target was moving. Yeah. I mean, you have to take all those in consideration too. And you're not sitting on your belly shooting targets. I mean, when you go shoot, most people are like, well, it's windy and my target stand is bouncing around and all that kind of stuff. Good. That's the reality Except of what you're going to shoot. Not at your range, yeah. so. Not at your range. Not my range. Yeah, not my range. <laughs> but, but on that, like in my sniper team leader course, we we have guys from all over the country. Yeah. I mean, I was in Prince George's County in September of last year in the last class we did, and we do a ballistic um, gel shoot with their ammo. Bring your ammo. We set up the gel and we do the shoot and we compare ammo and it's not a sell for any particular ammo. It's for you to discern yourself there on the range to see what it does and for you to decide. And it's an eye opener. A lot of people are like, wow, I had no idea, but now they have something tangible to go back with and data, empirical data to take back to their administration and say, Hey, why are we doing this? Yeah. Yeah. So basically you're, you're talking about defining terminal ballistics Mm -hmm. And you have a threat that's an imminent threat. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to select a bullet that's going to create instant incapacitation to stop that threat immediately, mm-hmm. not to injure the person. So eventually, it stops it. Right. You're trying to you're trying to place that bullet in a precision spot that has the expansion and the terminal ballistic side of it that stops that threat immediately. Yeah. To save somebody else. Mm-hmm. So so what's better, man? Like three oh eight. 30-06, Cree more. what are we talking? So, it's it, since I kind of stirred the pot on this, and I'll definitely, uh, I respect the hell out of Kelly, and uh, there's a reason he chose 6.5, and I, I know it's it's uh, validated by what he's continuing to do. Um, for me, it is all about specialty rounds available. Uh, it, and, and again, it didn't occur overnight with 308 Winchester, even though this round has been a police sniper round for decades many decades okay so the american sniper association recommends that police snipers should have a minimum of two duty rounds one is going to be open air ballistic tip the other one is going to be a glass or a bonded barrier round okay before you get too deep now are we talking the same point of aim impact or now do we have to talk about a training with two separate rounds to understand hold off or how or how we like how we do this that that comes with it because invariably as you push out on distance you're gonna have a point of impact shift but typically the variance within 100 yards and again we say out of the 550 police sniper shootings the average okay the longest is 500 plus yards the shortest is less than five yards Mm -hmm. a buddy shoot is that is, is that that mean average of 59 yards but we recommend, the ASA recommends having two rounds. I go a step further, and in Dallas, we actually have three different projectile types. We have open air, we have a glass round, and we have an armor piercing round. Mm-hmm. My only, uh, my biggest disagreement with those that contact me, and trust me, I get emails monthly and phone calls about my opinion on this, is the current projectiles that are available for that three-round suite do not exist for 6.5 Creedmoor. Okay. So let me ask you one more thing. Now, we're talking um, your armored round because we're carrying armored rounds only for our big bore. So now we're talking armored round for 308 or something like that? Or are we yes. talking armored round for 50 cal or 338? Armored piercing rounds for 308 exist. Okay. Okay. The leader out there is going to be Ruax Swiss P. That's what we're carrying for our 338. Okay. That, I get that 
done because of 2015, uh, the van that shot up headquarters, full wear, and that we ended up killing one of our snipers uh, killed with our 50 cal. Mm-hmm. Prior to those large caliber rifles getting deployed on the scene, getting put together and getting into their positions, we had a gap uh, where we actually did not have the capability to punch through the van if needed, if needed, if the threat was still active. So I said, why don't we just add an armor-piercing 308 round? And so through operational justification need, I was able to sell that. And next thing you know, they understood that. So that's how in Dallas specifically, we added the armor-piercing round on. And I continue everywhere in the country to promote three rounds, ASA, minimum of two, and I understand most of the clientele for ASA is going to be the collateral duty sniper teams that struggle to have one extra training day a month. That is that is the reality of it. But I think have at least two. If you have three, you're sitting in a better place. Now, for 6.5 Creedmoor, there is a glass round, but you're really limited in the choices on the barrier rounds for 6.5 Creed. So just listening to the the cocktail of rounds that you guys have, you know, like to me, just as like a team leader now and, and knowing a little bit about ballistics and point of aim and impact and distance and true aim, you know, all that, like that's so that's a mental challenge for, for a sniper. Now, what round do I have? Where do I hold my distance? I mean, there is no, but, but what you're doing is Derek, you're sitting there saying the sniper is not intelligent enough. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like under stress, under pressure, that Oh shit moment. I mean, like there is so much going on that like you guys have, I'm not saying you're not intelligent. You have to be good. Like you have to be intelligent enough, intelligent enough to understand the process and how each individual thing works. To your point, it starts with the selection process. So if we're letting anybody, anybody that just gets on the SWAT team, Hey, you're on the SWAT team. So now you can fulfill this role and we've got quote dead weight. Every team's got dead weight. Don't tell me I've had enough Paul Howe courses to to have him speaking in my head almost in the back of my head as I even speak. But, yeah, you know, if you've had enough Paul Howe courses, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Um, but, yeah, we, we're smart enough to do it, but you got to have the right people in the right positions 100%. on your SWAT team. So so what is – so, like, dude, I, 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 I don't know shit about this. So what is the 308-65 Creedmoor debate? Like, what – like, why? Just because, like, there's no – there's no, there's no round like you can't have your cocktail or like what's the deal this, there? This this feels like uh, two of us stepping in the ring and going to our opposing corner. So right, yes, I'm okay. So square let off me with Kelly. Okay, let me paint the picture. Okay, <laughs> we're at a long conference table. Uh, we have these two snipers sitting at the same corner. <laughs> they're staring directly in each other's eyes, Waiting and they're the going to see who will flinch first. Except there's there's shade in seventy two degree weather. At, at Correct. Oh, so. All right, here we go. Yeah. That's right. That's All right, right, hey, yeah. are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get it on. Sniper ready? Sniper ready. ready. Send it. Go. So Kelly and I had this debate uh, many years ago. So every conference is the time that we're all able to come together and sit around in the same room. Mm-hmm. And there's always a sniper section that's sitting over in the corner having the most intelligent conversation in the room. Yes, you are. And we're talking about math. And mm-hmm. we were doing this the other night. And uh, Mike was wearing a shirt. And what what did it say on the back of your shirt? One three zero eight. Well, that's on, that's one of our, our things. Hang on, hang on. Get in the mic. Get in the mic. We need to hear it. Mic yeah. in the mic. This just this is just going to show you the depth at which we go. <laughs> this is uh, uh, Samuel seventeen uh, forty nine. One Samuel seventeen forty nine. Uh-huh. Does anybody know what that is? Out of the Bible. Uh, 
Her brain's going, what's the Bible? Google. <laughs> That's the know. first documented sniper shot. Think about it. How was that David first documented Goliath? sniper shot? He reaches into his bags, times. grabs David a stone. Cliff. Yeah, David Glove. Yeah. Well-placed shot to the forehead. Oh. It's just something we put on our some of our sniper uh, oh. our shirts for our school and stuff. Mm. Give so, the guys something to think about. It's good. So Mike's wearing that shirt the other night, and we're mm. over having our little round table in the corner. And it was a thirty caliber. <laughs> caliber rock. Nerds. Yeah. Nerds in the corner. Was. Way yeah. to go, nerds. So, so a, a breacher. They, they hadn't. They hadn't come up with a 6.5 Creedmoor rock back then. <laughs> there wasn't as advanced yet. <laughs> Nobody could give it its velocity that it needed. No. Oh, man. Did so, you guys are like totally nerding out right now? And I have no yeah, clue what's going yeah, on. That, that's, the, that's the joy is we, we do geek out on this stuff. There's snapper so guys right it. now with boners listening to this right now. So a <laughs> laying down, their, yeah. their, laying down with their, with their butts poking up in the air yeah. because they got the, so, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. so a fellow, so a fellow board member comes over and inquires about, you know, Mike's shirt mm-hmm. and, um, Carl Rogers, I'm not going to say his name. Dirty Carl. Dirty, Dirty, Dirty Carl. Carl, the stash. <laughs> he comes over and inquires about it, and he goes into, well, breachers actually had the first recorded breach before a sniper shot was taken in the Bible. Oh, really? What's this one? Right. Which, 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 tell me, which one was it? What would be the first breach in the Bible? Cain and Abel. No, a breach, like a wall breach, a door breach. Oh, I was, I was thinking killing Not breach. a murder, not uh, a murder. The walls of Jericho? So when was the walls of Jericho? Before or after David and Goliath? Mm, let's see. Let's see. After. Walls of Jericho were 1100 B.C., and um, David and Goliath was 1400-ish B.C. So before or after? <laughs> <laughs> Got to do math, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. So no, I'm it, looking at him. He's even, going. Even in there, there's math. Uh, 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 Wait, are we still talking about 308 versus 65 Creedmore? <laughs> so that that just <laughs> that's what I thought. I went to go piss and I come back. <laughs> that just shows you. That just shows you the level at which we go sometimes. But we get together. But here's the deal. It's I, fun. I, I thought y'all were really fighting. What happened hey, to but, that? Yeah. What happened? But honestly. <laughs> I want that in my snipers. Like, I really do. Like, yeah. I want my guys to yeah. be geeked out over 308 versus 65, geeked out over mil, MOA. Seriously, because it does matter. It really yeah. does matter yeah. because you guys need to be really good at, at your job. And honestly, you know, like, say, entry, I don't want to, as, or as a team leader, I don't want to have to worry no. about you at all. I like, I've got other things. Like, you should be the guys that I can say, Go find the best position to get your job done, yeah. and just let you loose and let you go do your thing. Because that's your job, you not my job. Yeah. But we, yeah. but we at 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 our level in our career, our experience should be able to simplify things to present it to newer folks mm-hmm. and administrators. You know, like like Mill versus MOA. What's the difference? Yeah. Do you want to count in dimes or do you want to count in quarters? <laughs> That's the simplicity of it. Okay, so again, three oh eight six five. What? So what's there, the, like there's what? pros and cons to both caliber, mm-hmm. and so you've got to evaluate that. The cons on the six five, there, there's fewer rounds that are available for it, mm-hmm. and your round count is going to be. Now, is that because it's just new in our market, or like will they come? There's manufacturers that are working on new rounds. Okay. Oh, okay. And then your round count that you're going to get through that barrel on the six five is going to be less. Than it is on 308. So you're going to have to rebarrel the rifle. Sooner. Okay. How many rounds? It's going to depend on how rap, rapid fire you're doing, how how hot you're getting the barrel, and, and then firing again. 
it's so going to so, vary. But in in our debate when we were first talking about six yeah. five versus Creedmoor, we were talking about the, the energy and everything. The six five is going to shoot flatter, so you're going to have to have less dial up on less math on a further range. Ooh. So is that because of That's where you're sound. operating? Yeah, it's going to depend on where you're operating, your terrain, and so Lubbock. Very few trees. It's flat. If yep. we go out in an urban call yep. out, you could have a longer engagement because yep. you don't want to be laying out there in that open field with nothing except grass and and it's rattlesnakes. Yeah, <laughs> between you and the objective, so you're going to have to set up further. Yeah, and then the six five is going to fight the wind, and we always have wind in oh, love. Well, see now if he explains there. it that way, it actually makes sense for the area that he's operating in, sure. right? Versus something like us, like in a true urban environment. Sure. So so you hear these types of arguments, and you hear the same thing from the manufacturers that, that make the weapon systems and the rounds, mm-hmm. and to say, hey, this is what they do. And then you hear it from sponsored shooters, you know, that you're watching on social media, and you're like, hey, that dude's Instagram, shooting it, and he's, he's, he is crushing it. Yeah. Okay, so here's my deal with that. I don't believe any of that shit that I see. Trust but verify. Go back to Ronald Reagan. Trust but yeah. verify. And so that's what you have to do. So what Kelly's saying is true. And what the manufacturers that are making 6.5 are true. Mm-hmm. But is it the whole truth? No. All right, Mike, you grab the microphone. Like you're about to say well, something. No, as far as 6.5 versus 308, this is what I would tell anybody if they called me and, and mm-hmm. ask it. When Kelly said he was going to 6.5, I think, Sean, y'all went to 6.5, right? No. Or we're thinking about it. No problem with that. I could argue in both ways. For a fact, 6.5 is a more accurate round than the 308. If I gave, if everybody here were competing and we're all equal as far as our <laughs> shooting abilities, a 6.5 is going to shoot, if we're shooting distance, now this is on yeah. out, uh, a 6.5 is going to have less recoil. A 6.5 is going to be probably about 25 to 30% more accurate. You're going to get more hits, hits because you have uh, less def- effect from wind, different things like that. It's a superior round. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be an admin douchebag here. Uh, average distance, 59 yards. Why do I need to get well, you this again, round? Again, exactly. with Kelly or some of these other guys, based on their application, where they are being deployed. So if some new guy calls me from from a, a you know just a city police yeah. department, he goes, I don't want to buy. Buy a 308. Because I've, I've heard of guys going and buying like a 6.5 and going real short, a real short barrel. Problem with that is the rounds that are available, the data that's out there, like from mm-hmm. like from uh, American Sniper Association or whatever, it's very very limited gotcha. on six five. But there's a lot of it on three hundred eight. Well, now if you take a odd, a newer round, and most of them are shooting twenty two inch barrels or longer, and, then you change the and there's a lot of data out there from Hornady or who, whatever the bullet manufacturer, you get one, and the first thing you're going to do is so. Oh, I cut mine down to 16 inches because I want a short gun because this is a law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Well, now there's no data out there right. on 6.5 and a short barrel, and then why are you cutting that down? So like with Kelly or some of the guys that are more advanced, I don't have a problem with it because I know Kelly's going to go out and shoot through windshields. He's going to shoot glass. He's going to test all these different bullets. He knows the distance on all of it. But somebody that's new that's, that doesn't know a whole lot, Stick with a 308. That's a proven round. Because you have all that data out there's there that data, you can grab off rounds. the Internet, right? You're probably going to be or shooting. Through- Shooting under a hundred yards, so there's a lot to look at there. For law enforcement, I still think 308 is going to be a dominant. But again, a special application like what they're shooting and shooting more long range, yeah, run a six five. They're starting to develop law enforcement rounds for them. They're starting to be shootings out there for data. Exactly, that's how you justify it. 
Kelly's got all the reason why Lubbock snipers should yeah. be shooting six five. My issue has always been, and what we continue to see across the country is guys coming to their sniper team leaders and saying, "Hey, uh, what about us going to six five? You know, boss, uh, it shoots flatter. It has less recoil. All they have is a hundred yard range, but yet they're trying to get a shift." And with all things being equal, just based on two points, and I, I would say they're true. There's less recoil, okay, and she's flatter. But when your area of operations doesn't involve you doing anything more than deploying across the street, or your overwatches for large scale events, public venues yeah. don't exist. So that's what I was going right. to. Uh, so do you guys do Overwatch at the tech the tech games? Yes, we do. So that's your that's like your wheelhouse thing you teach. Would you rather see a six five or three oh eight in that just because of the distances that you may have to engage at? So here's one other thing. The six five is, is a a lighter bullet. Mm-hmm. It's shooting a one forty seven instead of the one one sixty eight or one one seventy five. Recently there was a Texas team that switched to six five Creedmore mm-hmm. and they had a shooting with the six five Creedmore. And I believe there was no exit. Mm-hmm. on that round and it was instant for that. So, yeah, that, that 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 is correct and that's one of the things that we debated was that it's a flatter shooting round but i argued and this was out of ignorance that it didn't have the amount of of energy at the target the terminal ballistics for that the energy dump wasn't there well in our little geek session, <laughs> Kelly pulls it up on the, on on ballistic a ballistic on a ballistic app, ballistic calculator, and we start looking at it. And I'm like, "Holy shit! Mm. It does. It's got quite a bit more For energy that. than a 308 For round that. does." But my argument is, is that the data is the same well inside an average law enforcement well, engagement. So, so why would you take an agency and completely switch out the ammo? Switch out the weapon system. You're talking about a huge undertaking. It's got to. It's got to be at Dude, the, the right time. The cost on that would be ridiculous. So it's hard right? to justify. Now, can I, now this is this my ears. Can can I use the same scopes on my 308s as my 65s? Yes. Can I just yes. take them off and put them on? Yes. So y'all are data driven and stuff. So the average was is 59 yards na- nationwide. So what's y'all's average in Tyler? So and what's y'all's average in Lubbock? Like so. That average is usually based on an urban deployment right? to where you're maybe across the street at another house. That's what's limiting it is, yes. is your ability to view that objective to get into position to make that shot. So yeah. inside of a city, when you've got houses and say Lubbock where it's flat, yes. you don't have houses built on a hill to where you can see that that objective that you're needing to yeah you're going to have to move into that close distance Mm -hmm. absolutely i agree with those stats Mm -hmm. but several years ago i deployed on an incident to odessa Mm -hmm. that suspect lived out in a rural area yeah he had the high ground everything else was flat and so all the deployment everybody was deploying out in the field he had shot two deputies and a civilian and he was armed with it with a 308 Mm -hmm. so he had the same caliber, and one of the deputies that he shot was at 500 yards. Oh, shit. So if I can have a 6.5, and I can deploy under the cover of darkness, and I can set up at 600, 700, 800 yards, and then I can engage him, yeah. then that that one incident also helped to influence For the that. decision on going to 6.5 where we're at. Yeah. yeah since we're talking data, um, 
in 23 years and really in 1999 after I went to the intermediate school first <laughs> and then the basic. And you were so good. They knew that. You know, <laughs> no, no. Remember, Mark didn't even want to do this. I was told you're going to do it. Uh, I started writing down in my uh, data books uh-huh. all these deployments. So um, the reader's digest on this is uh, with 250 barricades, HRs, warrant services in 23 years. I averaged up the distances because I always keep this data. That's just who I am. I think that's good. What does it come out to? 50. 50. Okay. All right. The last two operations we had before I went on extended sick time, um, Christmas Day, eight-hour call out Mm. at a hotel across Interstate 30. I was 302 yards out. Oh, wow. It freaked out everybody on my team because they're like, what is Mark doing out there three football fields away? Yeah. That's We have a 300-yard range in Dallas that we shoot our qualification on. All that. I know the capabilities of this weapon system. I know the capabilities of myself, the projectiles, so forth, so forth. Yeah. Okay? The next, the last barricade I had, I was 200-plus yards away. Oh, wow. So – you can't always say it's going to fall within that 100 yards. Yeah. We had the barricade uh, on the SMU campus with the guy in the construction crane. I sat up until he actually, unfortunately, fell to his oh, death yeah. a good 400-plus yards away in yeah, a parking that's... garage. So there are times, even in urban Dallas, yeah. where we have extended distances. But Is because you... of angles of fire and... It, it, that really is do- a little bit different. That really does not come that much into play, like you would think. <laughs> okay. A lot of people think angle firing is it, again it, our distances. It's really yeah. a moot point. The longer distances, extended long range, yes. But again, the majority of my body of work is fifty yards. 50, yeah. The exceptions are those last two calls I had that were three hundred and two hundred yards out. Yeah. I bet. I bet they were like. Whoa, what the hell? 300 yards? <laughs> Look, it got in their OODA loop, in yeah. their debrief, which I uh, was tied up doing something else. Yeah. They couldn't understand why would a police sniper deploy 300 yards away. Yeah. Because I know where I need to be to observe and for deliver that. around if I have to. Yeah. All right? So trust me. I know what I'm doing at this point in my career. Yeah, and, and honestly, that's, <clears throat> that's good that you know that because at that distance, what's the flight time of that bullet to impact? Well, under a second. Under a second. Yeah. Well, well, under a second. But I mean, like you're, like you know, it goes back to what like Panone said. Guys, moving. You're moving. You know. Well, you're probably not moving at that distance. You're probably hunkered down pretty tight somewhere. You know what I was? I was sitting tripod deployed, sitting position tripod on top of my Tahoe across Interstate 30. Yeah. So I could get enough elevation to see, see and send the projectile if needed across the vehicle to traffic on Interstate 30. So you're talking about moving. If Damn. you're deployed at, at 59 yards yeah. and, and you have a suspect come out of the objective and he's on the move and he's on a fast move and he's firing on the move, yeah. you're going to have to move that weapon to be able to track that, to get that. And, and make that shot. If you're deployed at 300 yards, you're still going to have to move the weapon a little bit, but not near There's as much, much at 300 move into tracking as you are at 59 yards. Yeah. So, Mark, you said your feathers deployment was three something? Four. Four hundred plus. plus. Yeah, that incident we had at SMU's Southern Methodist University. And then what, yours, Sean? How far do you know? Uh, It was like 270. 270. Yeah. What was that on? That was on a uh, hostage HR at a hotel, motel or whatever. Yeah. And what about yours, Kelly? What do you think yours is? Are you asking about 
What's your father's down, down, like? in, down in Odessa? So down there. So that was your father's deployment as far as where you where you set up for so or something. The original plan is we were going to deploy out and stalk up, mm-hmm. but plans changed because yeah. he started engaging one of the armored vehicles and hitting the windshield, and their armor was compromised. So they had oh, to shit. they had to pull that armored vehicle out. We had four different armored vehicles there, and so then we we pushed on up to the top, and we ended up being roughly a hundred, depending on. That that was a long engagement. So depending on what time you're talking about, we were yeah. right around 100, 120 yards. Mm-hmm. So, wow. But our original plan was to be further than that. For that, yes. And then what about you, uh, Mike? How far do you think your yeah? So I, I, I specifically remember of all the callouts and being deployed, there was one that was over 100 yards. And the reason I remember this is our range only goes out to 100 yards for rifles. Oh. Our primary range. And any time that we would get deployed as a sniper, our cold bore for the next training day would would be whatever we were set oh, up. So w- whatever distance we were at, whatever position we were in, we would set up that scenario, and that'd be our cold bore mm-hmm. just to kind of test to see where we're at. And there was one that was just over 200 yards, and that was just because we were getting ready to go up and hit a house, and we were covering the house till everybody got in place, and a guy comes outside with a deer rifle, and he's kind of oh, walking shit. the perimeter. And so we're, you know, we're watching them. And I remember we had to go out to a different range to get over 100 yards just to, to you see. know, just see if we could make that shot. So I haven't been deployed as many times as probably Dallas, you know, and I didn't keep track of it. I should have. That's a good idea, very good idea, yeah. something good to put in your logbook. But I know that that's the only time that I can remember having to go off my range to go. That's funny because that if you would have said, hey, which do you think has been a further uh, Dallas or Tyler? I would have been, well, I would assume Tyler because there's so much rural area and, and just, you know, things like that. Um because you look at Dallas, but I mean, it was like we helped y'all out a few years ago, and that was like a, that was a rural operation where we helped. And I'm thinking, where in the fuck are we going in Dallas? And then we get there, I'm like, we're in the sticks of Dallas, mm-hmm. and we're hitting this at night. And I'm like, this is so weird to me. Deep in the Grove, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I didn't know that was Dallas. Hey, so real fast, Kelly wants to say something. I want to come back to your deployment distance. Man, you said 270, 275? Yeah, 270. Okay. So an example of the deployments in the last like five or six years, we've done some deployments where we provided overwatch on a high risk warrant service uh-huh. and they were in, in a rural area. Yeah. So we deployed out before the teams ever started rolling in and we were well beyond a hundred yards, but it's, it's flat open farmland. Yeah. And one of them was surrounded. It was a compound surrounded by a fence and we had two armored vehicles moving up. They were going to have to breach a gate to get up to the objective. Yeah. And so we were laying out there in the field before the team ever got there. Oh, wow. And that was beyond, well beyond 100 yards. And then we recently had a, a call out at a hotel. Yeah, I remember you tell, y'all were in a parking garage, weren't y'all? Yeah. We yeah. deployed a sniper team on a parking garage. And so that shot would have been a little over 200 if we had to have made it. Mm-hmm. And that was inside of Lubbock, inside right. built-up area. Yeah. One thing we had to consider on that was between us and the objective – was electric lines mm-hmm. and the wires running across. So we're having yeah. to we're having to look at the trajectory of the For bullet that. and whether it's going <laughs> to possibly impact one of those wires between us and the. Objective. See, that's the that's the small things, man. That like that's awesome that you guys think about because like fuck, I've, I've always laid over that. Like, I would never fucking think about that. Oh, and it happens because we've been on ranges to where you're shooting over a draw and there's power lines oh. and we've had guys hit a power line. Oh shit. And you think, <laughs> what are the chan- what are the odds? Well, Murphy's there. Uh-oh. One in a million, and it just fucking yeah. happened. Uh, 
All right, so pack up, boys. Let's go. Training's over with. Oops. So two seventy. Correct. On an HR. Correct. Okay, so to me, that's fucking mind blowing. Like that distance, Sean is taking taking that shot if like if need be, right? (laughs) Right. So it goes back into that training skill set, the ability knowing everything that you guys need to know about your round, your rifle. I mean, all that shit. Like, absolutely. Where you sit there going please don't fucking come out here with a fucking hostage or whatever. I mean, like that's a long, like to me, that's a long fucking age. No, show. not really. And oh. you know what, you know what it came down to? It Tom Berger in his head. Yeah. It was. Yeah, exactly. You kind of look like Tom Berger. <laughs> I had to YouTube it and then I deployed. <laughs> <laughs> what it came down to was, was the amount of training that we had and the level of training that we had. So, yeah. you know, and that's okay. That's Fort Worth full time. A lot of, rounds down range correct should i hate to say this god i'm using air quotes here should like your everyday like part-time team should you be deployed to like 270 taking that fucking shot or thinking about taking that shot so that goes right back into the debate of um taking out the no knocks what's what's your team's capability what's your team's ability what's your team's experience and you're being able to say I shouldn't do that. Dude, I'm just thinking like, okay, like my guys, I trust my guys, right? Okay. And I'm just like, if they said, hey, I'm 270 out on this, I'd be like, what the, f- where, what? So, so, I mean, you know, kind of like to your point about your deal, you know, over 30, but I mean, I'm just like, fuck, just man. Look out on, in the parking lot though. You, I, you, you could stretch 400 yeah, yards. That's what I was there. looking at. I, I'm so, looking at there. I'm like, where do you get? So from, <laughs> from our window here, I'm looking at QT. Yeah. What do you guys think that distance is on that QT? For QT? Yeah. Well, I got to right get up and look. Uh, oh. all, right, all right. They're all fucking getting their fucking range finders out. And <laughs> it's PP measuring time. So a thousand yards, so halfway, so to that uh, first perimeter road right here, where that uh, black Tahoe is going to the stop sign, got on the bike, moving left to right. That guy on the bicycle. Yeah. Uh, that's five hundred. Yeah, I don't think so. You can hit the guy on the bicycle. <laughs> Absolutely. <Damn. laughs> yeah. Poor guy on the bike. What do you think, Mark? You think that's five to that road, and then maybe a thousand to QT? I would put it at probably eight to nine hundred. Oh, there you shit. go. Somebody go get a fucking rangefinder. Are you talking about the front of the QT or the back of the QT? <laughs> <laughs> Someone Google map so, that and it'll show so you. These, these are the kind of debates that we get into. But yeah, but that's what does it. So he says, when I say a thousand, he says eight hundred. Let's average it. Let's partner average it. And that's what we teach. Let's make it nine hundred. Right. Huh? And that's, you know, we have to go by what we teach. However, no, I wasn't. I hey, wasn't that worried. I wasn't off? worried about that deployment because, <laughs> you know, I, I totally missed what he said. <laughs> hey, but hey, but you know what? Before we I would said, take a that shot that your far, personal yeah. life, before we would take a shot that far, yeah. you can range it with your eye. But we all have range finders, mm-hmm. and it's just a matter yeah. of seconds. We're going to know pretty much exactly how far it is before you start making a, a but shot. But we, but we shot it. We've thought we've shot a thousand yards, and we're we're hitting we're hitting our targets. On a ten inch target at a thousand yards, so you come into two seventy. That's insane, dude. That's, that's a cakewalk. I mean, that's a yeah, great capability. Oh, absolutely. No, we. You know, when you put it that way, go, take me back to fourteen hundred BC, which is which is later than eleven hundred BC to give you guys the answer. <laughs> take me back to fourteen hundred BC with the slingshot at thirty caliber. But when you explain rock. it that way, hey, we we hit shit at a thousand. Now yeah. back into like yeah. two seventy, you're like, fuck, this is that's spot on, right? So and yeah, totally doable. So what's the longest recorded? 
U.S. police sniper distance? Five. Five ninety five. So the American Sniper Association and their sniper training metrics, which is a great uh, training metrics on the back of the book. Uh, it, look, it says, and again, most of the teams, Sean and I, are the exceptions, right? We're full time teams. We're the exceptions. The rule is collateral duty teams, guys struggling to get out there to have sniper training days. What the SA recommends is that you need to be very, very very good 200 yards and in mm-hmm. you need to have verified dope out to 300 we ain't going past that okay so 300 this is recommendations good best practices if, if you would so be very lethal with what your kit is shooting off tripod shooting off pack shooting bipod prone supported 200 yards and in the 59 yards is just a it's a number. Right. It doesn't sit there and say you should establish your qualification course of fire at 59 yards. It doesn't say you should go out there and do all your training at 59 yards. It is just a number to let you know that you can sit there and kind of, whether it's procurement of equipment, whether it's just running, hey, we're going to run some positional shooting right now at 59 yards and see how well you guys can do standing to the prone position, putting body shots in there, not head, not cranial vault shots. Let's just see if you guys can, how yeah. good you are positional shooting. It is a number. But I really want to emphasize, if you're listening to this and you're a police sniper, you need to be very, very good and lethal and precise out to 200 yards with your weapon system, with your capabilities, and the, with the projectiles that you're currently using. Well, too, I, I look at it, it was, it was kind of like uh, what uh, Matt Brain was talking about earlier of it should be a give me shot CQB with a rifle because you have trained out at 50, 60 yards, and it's like, oh shit, I'm coming in. This is, this is nothing. So, like you said, 59 yards, 50 yards, and I've been shooting 300, 400 yards. I'm like, okay, this just that mental confidence should even be there because you're like, oh, I got this. This is this is nothing compared to what I've trained. And it stuff. gets in people's oodle loop, man. Even your own teammates sit there and go, I don't trust you. That barricade incident at the SMU uh, mm-hmm. crane, I, I, we had an entry guy who kind of thought – little bit more of himself he asked the snipers to go out to maybe your range sean you remember that i didn't so for some reason i don't know if i was off or not but i'd had a huge problem with this Mm -hmm. and again um pick your battles right Mm -hmm. so he has they go out to sean's range was at the time was a 750 yard range and i was deployed as 400 yards i wasn't the only one we actually this, this barricade went on for so long we actually had to have two shifts right so he wanted to know an entry guy that the Dallas snipers deployed out there could make a 405 yard shot mm. because he didn't trust us for that. And so our guys went out there, which they should have called bullshit on that and bullshit on him. Yeah. Okay. It went out there to prove to him just an entry guy that right. they can make that shot. Well, I, I just look at it, and, and I'll say it in a, in a bragging way, but you tell me, hey, you're going to shoot a uh, C-zone still at 300 yards with my entry rifle. I'm like, I can do that. I, I don't have – I can do that. I know I can do that so, at 200. And now I'm saying, hey, y'all, y'all have magnification. Y'all fucking better be able to do that too. And I have confidence in that because that's not – a hard shot with a red dot. Now, can I put it in the head? No, but I can hit that body. So you're looking at that. 
Yeah, that should be like, fuck yeah, I can do this. Yeah, so the team guys and the SWAT commander and the administration, they need to have that confidence in that that officer or that sniper to be able to make that shot. Yeah. Because it's much better if you can have a guy deploy at, say, 400, and he can end that hostage situation, he can stop that threat from 400, as opposed to sending guys into this room that are going to get into a gunfight. Yeah, for sure. And you're going to have multiple guys firing rounds then and a suspect firing rounds when you got a hostage and they're all under the stress of being shot themselves mm-hmm. and and you're in a movement you're mm-hmm. moving the suspect's moving and the hostage may be moving but you have a guy that 400 that can send just one round yeah they've got to have that confidence in your ability to do that no but here's the deal they don't the, the commanders don't show up at your training no you invite no. them to come out they don't come out well like even me and you know like I'm listening to that, like to Sean's deployment on that HR. I'm thinking, holy shit, that's a long fucking distance for an HR shot. And I've been around SWAT for now going on like 15 years, right? Like, and I've been around Dallas and Fort Worth and, and you guys through TTPOA. And it's just like, even to me, I'm like, fuck, that's a long, like, I'm thinking that's a long fucking way. And I know y'all train. I know how the standard that you guys keep on, on your skill sets and stuff, but just, it's it's tough to understand when you're not in it as deep as you guys are. When do we yeah. need us when do we stop having to prove to the entry guys that we're professionals that are skill set? And I, I, I that's just an open question. Yeah, and, uh, I'm not going to the entry guys and sitting there saying, <laughs> "Prove to me that you can make as soon as you hit the threshold, you can yeah, hit a guy at right. the other end." No, I'm right. not going to you, no, Derek, and right. asking you to do that. So, why are you sitting there Flip-flopping it on me. Well, first off, me. quit fucking pointing your finger at me Damn, and your dude. fucking knife hand. You get you know, several days Stone cold. Uh, <laughs> Stone cold fucking Brandon, so. Dude, Brandon's right, Stone man. Cold. You're coming in and you're fucking just <laughs> dropping bombs and fingers and fucks and don't care. So you, you get your entry guys to hold targets for See? you. <laughs> so, so literally, man, we, we've been talking about this uh, throughout the, the podcast here, but... I often will get the um, whenever we're doing demos. I will have my snipers shoot stuff while the rest of the team's watching. It puts stress on the snipers and it builds confidence in the entry team. Yeah. I have them go down and look at the target. We look at it, you know, or we'll we'll give them like I a shot of the day idea. or whatever. I love that. And uh, because again, it does everything. It, it puts yeah, stress we kinda, on the guys. We and, do that as well, and all, all that. And every once in a while, every year, or so. Uh, especially when we get new guys on the team, we do orientation and all that, and we put them through our own basic uh, SWAT class. But we'll do just maybe a two or three hour block of instruction on snipers, showing them, hey, don't touch our rifles. And then we'll even, uh, if we have time, we'll let them shoot our rifles, mm-hmm. you know, just to see how accurate they are. Uh, it's a good orientation for the newer guys. And then I use some of the, the newer snipers and make them teach it. So it gives them yeah, you know, we, the opportunity to do that as well. We just, you know, like I said, we had new snipers come on and they just came from the assault team and got new rifles and all that. And uh, we we went out to to their practice and that was the same they did, did with us. We're like, hey, get up here. We're going to we're going to teach you how to do this. I didn't grow. I haven't hunted since I was like 10 years old. So me getting behind a scope. I, just, I don't do that. I don't shoot scope rifles. So that was the first time since I was like 12 years old or whatever it was to get behind one. And they're like, hey, do this, this, and this. And I think it was like 400 yards. Bing. I'm like, what the hell? Do this. You going to be a sniper now? Uh, no. Oh, but okay. my deal was, wow, I, I was I was really impressed with just the ability for them to say, hey, here's what you do. 
do this, this, and this. Here's where you got a hole. Look at the wind, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, well, this is this is good because it gave me confidence. If if I can sit down and do that, now you're putting in the work and the effort and the time and the energy to do all that. So, you, damn, you're really going to be able to do this. And uh, Mark, you mean like you know, even though you're yelling at me and getting up and like flexing at me and shit, it was you know it was kind of scary. Flexing um, at you, yeah. yeah so when was. you were doing that and I was cowering <laughs> down in my chair, um, you actually made a good point. It was you know. We've never questioned the entry guys. Yeah. And not that I'm questioning like y'all's ability or the or a sniper's ability. I just never looked at it that way. Same thing you talking about. We can hit rounds or hit targets at a thousand yards. Now we back up to two seventy. In fact, that's nothing. Right? I've never looked at it that way. It's a third of the distance. Uh, dude, and but the <laughs> thing is like, math, you know, math. just just talking to people like you guys, you know, it's just like, okay, you're right. We don't question like Entry guys, like, show me that you can hit a fucking target from here or there. Yeah, they're going you know? in. They're, they're getting reps. And look, yeah. I'm, in Dallas, we wear and, but, everyone's hat. See, but I think the problem is, like, I know because when we run the range, like, like for a big SWAT range day, right, I know my entry guys are making these shots at this distance because I'm seeing it or I'm there running the range. When you guys break off and go do your specialty training, like the sniper stuff, I'm not there, right? I know what you guys are doing, but... I, you know, it's just like, like you don't see it as much as you see guys taking that 15, 20 yard shot on the move or whatever it is. Right. So think about it like this, Brandon, as, as good as your team is on entry and stuff. But if your kid was taken hostage and you've got a guy that, that he's very confident at four and 500 yards yeah. and, and he's set up at say a hundred yards, do you want that person taking that shot or do you want to wait? Yeah. Until it it goes to rescue, 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 and the team has to go in, make, make a breach, yeah. on, no, no, make no, no, a breach no. on want, the door. I want that in. to be handled as no. quickly as fucking I want possible. That, yeah. I want the surgical. Yeah, yeah you want that one, yeah. Yeah. One, shot, one shot instead of five yeah. guys. And hopefully yeah. people listening to this, and you know, if we have any admin dudes or decision makers listening to this or team leaders, they're just like, okay, well, it's, it's starting to make sense now, right? I mean, honestly, it just listening to you guys talk, I need to get out to our sniper range day and not be there questioning, but just watch those guys train, watch those guys do what they do, and just be like, hey, I know. So if I have to explain to my boss, like, hey, it's cool that Sean's out at 270. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I, so, I know what Sean can do. I know how Kelly operates. I know what Mike can do. Like, there's, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so, here's, so here's a way to kind of bring it all together that, that, that we did in Fort Worth, and it, it was just by, I don't say by mistake, but by, you know, um, hurdles or issues that that we saw so i'll give you two examples i'll give you a fort worth example and i'll give you an, an outside agency example and one of the fort Worth example was is that we had a sergeant that was going to be the overall you know supervisor over the snipers on the team mm-hmm. he was gonna you know oversee the training and all that and it's like hey why don't you go through our next basic school basic sniper school mm-hmm. and he's like i'd like to do that and so he did and it did a couple of things. He was very intricate in the way that his thought process. So we had to find new ways to teach, you right. know, for how that. to get to four. Most people get to four, two plus two equals four. This is a guy where <laughs> one minus five equals four, right? So we had to be able to teach to that. Derek's still trying to figure that one out. I know. Out. <laughs> um, so with that happening, He's not going to be on the gun and and we have an extra gun. Let's give him a gun and he's going to come out with us every yeah. two weeks and he's going to, he's going to shoot. He, he's, he, he has buy-in. 
now. is buying now. Yeah. yeah, he has he has stake in the game, yeah. right? And plus, he knows our capabilities and he knows he knows our needs and our wants. Yeah. So when it comes to purchasing stuff, he's going to be an advocate for us. But also, when it comes to that deployment on that two seventy HR, if that shot has to be taken. He's in the command post. He's in the decision. He's in one of the decision maker seats. He's like, I can do that to say, Hey, <laughs> these yeah. guys are good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and they know that. And the other aspect of this too is, is now fast forward 20 plus years. I had the opportunity to train a, um, a team in the Metroplex, a SWAT team in the Metroplex. And I asked him, I had him for three days, three or four days. And I asked him, I'm said, have y'all ever done, they had a brand new sniper and he was thirsty for knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking on the side about a bunch of different things. And I asked him, I said, have y'all ever done a sniper-initiated assault? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no. I said, in training, or an actual live fire sniper-initiated assault. They're like, no. Well, let's set it up. So before we set it up, it's like, hey, here's your sniper. Here's the target. He shot. It was a 6.5. He has a 6.5. Mm-hmm. He shot the target to show the accuracy of you know, and his ability. And we did countdown, and we did stimulus mm-hmm. shots, and we did all that. And the team's all behind him. So that's putting pressure on the shooter, the sniper, yeah. and his performance and his ability. And we go down and look at the target, and the team's like, yeah, and they're patting him on the back, right? Yeah. So now, okay, now let's set up a sniper-initiated assault. Mm-hmm. Here's the target. Here's the team. The team is downrange. Sniper's yeah. at, you know, 50 yards. The team's at the 10-yard line, and they're off to the side. And after he takes that shot, he gets on the radio and gives the command for rescue, rescue, rescue. They go into a mock uh, assault. assault into a room. <clears throat> And engage targets as well. We all come down and we look at it. And now the team feels so much better about that sniper's ability and what's happening. Yeah. Because you're bringing the whole thing together. Yeah. So you can incorporate all this training. If, if, you're, if your model, our meat and potatoes in the SWAT community is, is HR. Yeah. That's what we train for. So if, if you're modeling little segments here and there, why aren't you incorporating the sniper instead of having him in the stick? Yeah. yeah. He needs to be in the stick to be able to know how all that works. But, but incorporate him in that training. So that he's doing his part on that operation and training, just like you expect him to do his part on a real operation and make the whole thing come together. Now, if that team is segregated and Mm -hmm. snipers are over there doing it on this day and the team's doing it on that day and you never come together. So, I mean, so we come together for like joint training on, on those days where we do those live fire sniper initiated assaults where we have our entry team set up on you know, like a, like a rescue position. Right. And a stimulus, boom, sniper shoots. We have our, our terminology, you know, everything, and then we're making our assault on that on that target. And then make the commander give that stim- that that countdown too. Make that person involved too instead of it's somebody else yep. on the team. And then we do the, you know, the uh, the count and all that. Right. But, um, but I'm talking about like when they're out doing their individually monthly or week, you know, and there's no reason whatever. for the team to go out there and stand around and watch them do what they do. No, I mean, but, fucking boring but I think, but I think I should, or a team leader should just to like, again, knowing that your capability at 270 is, is fine. Now there's a difference in a team leader going out and watching a sniper's train. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think that a team leader should, should have a gun, have ownership, be part of the team. But if a team leader goes out to the range, and I'm just going to set up a scenario, if Derek, you're the team leader, you go out to the range to watch your snipers train, and you're out there on your phone taking phone calls or answering emails yeah. or text messages. Yeah, you, hey, yeah. Why, I won't do why, that. I mean, I, even, mean, I won't. Why do are you that. even out here? I won't and I'm not that. saying that you would do that, but yeah. there's folk. There's like I went absolutely out there to training day. You didn't. You Ron, didn't you engage. Didn't. You know. Yeah. So 
What would y'all's suggestion be for a good sniper training program for a sniper team? Like, what, what does that look like? Oh shit, Mark's fucking trying to grab that motherfucking mic. And I'll, I'll preach this tomorrow. Typically, and it's not this way across the country. Mm-hmm. You have the sniper team leader is is whoever that equal ranked guy is on the team. So Sean, Sean was a sniper team leader in Dallas. Um, excuse me, Fort, mean, Worth. Fort Worth. Yeah, maybe one too many. <laughs> Jesus, okay, hey, just a hey, 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 pauses for a second. I tell you what, four point two percent. These uh, these snipers have fucking torn through uh, some beer, some yeah. Yingling flight beer. I, I will these say this is the most uh, pissed going going to the restroom <laughs> podcast we've ever had. I think everyone here has gone. At least once. Oh my god! We and now flushed. Sean's going to flush. I know we haven't flushed either. Uh, so <laughs> there's a bucket of right, piss in there. Trading. Respect go. to the entry guys. We'll go in there and flush it after. Yeah. All right. Completed. All right, Mark. Go. <laughs> what was I saying? Uh, oh, you said uh, Sean worked for Dallas, but Sean okay. actually works Sean for Fort Worth. Dallas and he works for Fort yeah. Worth. Um, and he, Sean has another beer. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have still. Give me my train of thought, Kelly. Where was that on that? <laughs> training. What is it? What is a? Uh, what would be a good oh, training? Yes. So, 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 Sean was a sniper team leader in mm-hmm. Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Dallas, we never really identified anybody. It was kind of collective, collective, and probably that was to not exactly the best way to do it. Yeah. Uh, I kind of assumed that role the last few years of the of the team and everything. You got to have a sergeant level, a first line supervisor who is assigned the specialty of sniper, mm-hmm. police sniper. Now, the sniper team leader, under his guidance, runs the sniper group, mm-hmm. okay, in my opinion, yeah. as a best practice. The sniper supervisor, he needs to come out there and know the capabilities of the guys. And this doesn't matter if you're dedicated, this is easy peasy. If you're not, like you've got snipers in multiple squads, mm-hmm. then he still you're still going to have a supervisor that's going to have that specialty that. pretty much around the country. Yeah. Get out there, know their limitations, know their capabilities, listen to the sniper team. Listen, everybody's got a voice in this. Listen and see what they're doing. Know what they can and cannot do at 270 yards. Mm -hmm. Can you make a headshot at 270 yards? Static, it should be easy. Moving, whole nother gig, man. It's a whole nother gig, right? So there are certain responsibilities as a team leader for snipers and as a sniper supervisor that we've got to get them engaged in doing. If they come out there and they're on the range and they're on the phone and they're just inundated, hey, yeah. we got another warrant service popped yeah. up. Now I've got, sorry, I wanted to come out and watch y'all, but I've got to go back and now yeah. we've got to do this. Yeah. Now we've got to set up the drive by all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I can only, I can speak specifically to Dallas. Our supervisors, because there's only four, they're pulled in every, every yeah. freaking, yeah. that's why I think a SWAT sergeant in Dallas is one of the most taxing jobs responsibilities there is mm-hmm. because you've got to be able to shoot. Look, they, they train and they shoot on the same carbines. They're not shooting precision rifles, but you've got to sit there and pass it. You have got to be able to make entry. You have got to be able to, you got to, it's, it's like, what, yeah. what hat am I wearing? Yeah. What yeah. time of day is and it? You got to right? answer to your so bosses. I have huge respect for those guys, but those sniper supervisors have got in their capabilities that they've got to support you and they've got to sit there and say to command and control the SWAT commander, hey, this is a good plan. Yeah. I know that whoever's on the rifle back there or that two-man team back there or whoever is deployed, mm-hmm. that they can rise to the occasion and make this, this happen. So this, but, they're your advocate. Yeah, but if they're not out there and they're not seeing what you do, yeah. then how do they speak to that? No. I, I, I Mike, what that. do you think of it? Like, like, what's, uh, like what's, what's your idea about the training? Well, at my department, we're pretty fortunate because um, 
every team leader that we've had as, far, as long as I can remember and our team commander had been a sniper mm-hmm. or a sniper team leader. Um, like my commander for years, uh, he and I went to sniper school together. Okay. So life was good. There's a lot of buy-in already. Yeah, and then that. the next one after him, uh, David Hall, which he used to be one of our regional directors. Mm-hmm. He was uh, in my position before me. Um uh, he made. T- uh, he was on the team. He said, "Hey, I'm team commander. I want to go to sniper school." So he went to the sniper school. So he understood everything that's going on. That being said, I know uh, a lot of smaller departments like mm-hmm. that will come to do the the training. They don't even have sniper team leaders. They're like, "Hey, I'm attaching this team. I'm going to be the sniper." Try to tell them. Try to get get across to them. Hey, look, whoever's supervising you, or yeah. whoever's going to be making decisions for you, needs this training as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we, I'll try to share our policy and stuff mm-hmm. with them, share what we're doing and everything. Uh, but yeah, definitely, if somebody is—I don't care if it's the team commander, your your sniper team leader, or admin, depending on the size of your department or whatever—they need to know all your stuff. They need to be knowing how you're training, how what what goes into it, and everything. So um, again, every department's different. You're going to depend on what, how much support uh, you have, how much manpower you have, and all that. So, Kelly, we'll come right back. Absolutely get involved with TTPOA mm-hmm. and, and go to the trainings around the state. Train with the other departments. I've, I've trained with Mark mm-hmm. in, in his classes, trained with Sean. Go to those, and then you're getting the value mm-hmm. of those bigger departments, and you're getting to see what works for them. And then also get involved in the TTPOA competition. So yes, that's, yes. Not, that's not specific training, but there's so much value in getting to compete under stress, under that stress, yes. yeah. it tests your equipment, it tests your mindset, it tests your skill level. Yep, there is a tremendous amount of value of being involved in Hell that. Hell yeah! Um, I mean, we're talking about the long range shot. So years ago at Burnet, when yep. we, we had that. Yep, that I competed there. And <laughs> that thing was. You had to run like. You had like, to grab all your gear. That goat trail. You had to run uh-huh. it yeah, was. <laughs> on a dirt road uphill for half a mile to get into position. And then you had three targets. Yep. And you had to load in a safe area. Well, because we had shot out to 800, yeah. 900, 1,000 yards, I felt very confident For in that. it. And I knew what the dope was on that gun with that ammo. Yeah. And I went to the safe area, and I said, I'm only loading with three. And there was kind of a laugh, like, okay. <laughs> but I laid down there. I think the longest target was 550. To that house? Was it? Was that what yeah. that was? Well, the, the the little little house was the closest, closest one. And then there was a further one out. And okay. then you had to – there was one longer. But I hit all three all of them. Those. And I only loaded three rounds. Damn. That was from, from shooting out at longer distance. For that, yeah. And, and if you shoot at longer distance – that close-up stuff yeah, is going to be easy. Yeah, it makes. I think, that's, I think that's the first time I met you. Yeah, in that. Drive but get up. involved in TTPOA. No, get involved yes. in the competition. And get involved in going to classes and, and send those guys off. Yeah. to go to the different trainers and network with. I mean, I always encourage all our new guys. I'm like, hey man, here's yeah. these people. Here's the go talk with them. I'll give you the way to get there. I'm not doing it for you. You got to do it. But I, yeah, for sure. So, for hey, sure. we're running like at 2.15, Damn. two hours and 15 minutes. Sean, what's the last thing? You want to grab the mic? Uh, the, okay. So last words, parting words. Yeah. Um, what I'll say is. It's all on your shoulders. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. Right. On, man. If you, um, and I'm not, I'm not promoting my course, <laughs> but I am. I think Mark's officially drunk. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Not at all. So, <laughs> um, I developed this 
this team leader course with and Kelly Canterbury and I were the the minds behind this and, and put it together. Mm-hmm. And with this this team leader course was was a was a course to give people information that didn't that don't know what to do because I was there. Yeah. I didn't know how to order ammo, how much ammo to order. I didn't know how to set up training. I didn't know how to, you know, be an officer of the same rank as everybody else and pitch all these things and right. coordinate training and, you know, spearhead it all. That's what this does. And it's so it's, you know, when you show up to the course, I give you a thumb drive with real data on it and Word documents that you can go back and you can take off whatever That's agencies awesome. at the top of and, you know, totally word it for yourself. There's a lot of other things involved too. That's awesome. I like that. My parting words of of no matter where you are in, in this craft, in the SWAT game, sniper world or whatever, mm-hmm. don't stop being a student. Yeah. Don't stop learning. Yeah. Continue to learn, continue to evolve. Don't be dogmatic. Um, don't get that institutional inertia. Things are popping out every day. We were having a conversation um, with Tyler Ellsworth yesterday, last night, about 6'5". And that deal about that is like, you know, there's somebody that's going to be out there, that, that that bougie guy that wants to put his name on a round or whatever. Mm-hmm. I want that bougie guy to keep pushing yeah. the 6'5 manufacturers to make that round. <laughs> Kelly just to make that ballistic bougie. round, I believe in that round. That's that's yeah. a great. That's a great. I think of Kelly. I, I bought bougie. my first six five because of Kelly. Oh, now, I'm not that. deploying it, but yeah, I own a six five <laughs> because of Kelly. I drank my first sniper drink because of Kelly. Oh, there you shit. go. Yeah, there, there you go. go. That should be a requirement in y'all's little but, requirement but to, list. But to finish, to finish my final <laughs> thought up is: don't stop being a student. Don't stop believing. Continue to learn. Um, Kelly and I are going to go to a class tomorrow. That was this guy was a student in a class that Kelly and I taught. Oh wow. And he gave us some great feedback at the end of the class. He's, I mean, he's a great guy. And now he's a distinguished, you know, member in the SWAT community. What's his name? We can, we can say his name, can't we? Yeah. Ryan Johnson with Austin SWAT. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. He's teaching a class tomorrow on, on, you know, he was a, um, a TCO instructor, range, range instructor and all that kind of stuff. He's teaching a class four hour block tomorrow on instructor development, basically. Oh, wow. And Kelly and I are excited to go to how his long four go, hour how block. How long ago did he go through y'all's class? Um, he was through the class in Garland. Oh, and Garland. he won the uh, yeah. he won the top shot when the no, triart deal. No, Chance no? won the the top shot. Okay, but yeah. Ryan Ryan was there. And okay, then shortly after leaving that class, Ryan was involved in a lethal shooting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Awesome. awesome. So and, awesome and so we're we're course. learning from from our students. Yeah. I mean, there's students from Kelly, there's students yeah. from me, students from Mark. All the time, we're learning from them. And it's not like I'm the so don't stop being a student. Those are my final words. I, right. I think that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, I mean, so I think this was really good. I mean, I, uh, I, I, dude, it looks like with you guys we can sit down and talk for another two or three hours over this. So indeed, but we maybe, don't want to. Maybe we need to do like part two next year, <laughs> right at the at next year's conference. Yeah. So I actually lied to you. Uh, I'm actually going to give Kelly the last word. Okay, but before we get going, what was your guess on that distance? I measured it out here on maps. What was your guess from here to QT? Eight to nine hundred. Okay. I said nine to a thousand. Okay, Kelly, eight fifty to nine fifty. Okay, you, okay. Wow. <laughs> this is okay. like the Price is Right. <laughs> okay, so so there's two things here You're I have to try Bob to explain. Bunker, though. There's two things I have to try to explain here. Uh, Kelly is sitting next to Mike, and Kelly has the actual microphone in his face. And Mike Saxon just kind of leaned forward, not even towards a microphone, and just talked. <laughs> 
like so, it was right there. But he did give a thousand and one towards the beer. <laughs> yeah, he was leaning towards the beer can. I will say, snipers can drink. <laughs> so the measurement on Google Maps here, from uh, roughly this side of the building to what I deem to be kind of like midpoint of QT, oh. is seven oh six. Oh wow, seven oh six. How how did you measure that? Uh, well, in inches. <laughs> <laughs> In, in mills, in mills, or or MOAs. No, it's like a thing on Google Maps. I don't know. You fucking draw a line from the I building guarantee to building. You, someone's gonna get a rangefinder. Uh, I know. And they're gonna go. Hey, you were wrong. All right, all right go to the app. While Kelly does this, now we've been asking all of our guests on season two at the end. All right, uh, our motto is train hard. All right, now what does that mean to you, Kelly? All right, so there's a quote. I can't remember who it's who it's by, but it says, um, "Hard times create strong men." Mm-hmm. Strong men create easy times. Mm-hmm. Easy times create weak men, mm-hmm. and weak men create hard times. And we're seeing it right now. So think about that. We're seeing a lot it. of people won't understand that, but that hard times, that hard training, yeah. it's going to better prepare you. It's going to make you a harder man, and yeah. you're going to be better prepared to handle that situation. Yep. If you don't continue on that hard training, then you're going to start creating those easy times. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, training's going to get easier. And your guys are going to start getting weaker. The weaker they are, the harder the times are going to be when the shit hits the fan and they've got to go perform. Absolutely. Like that should be on a t-shirt for next year. Right. We need yeah. to do that. Now, we're about to say. Look at these two geeks. Hey, we're about here. to say goodbye. <laughs> and we got two, two sniper right, nerds hurry, over hurry. here with their we're about to measuring lose app trying to turn their phones around. Tom Berger is going to get pissed off if y'all don't get this really What quick. do you have? What do you have, Marky Mark? My unofficial uh, geoblistics uh, says... What kind of big word is that? 509 yards. Oh, shit. What the fuck? What? I, like, look, I, I drew Man, a Never line. let a closet sniper range for No, 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 no. I drew a line <laughs> on the map, bro. Wow. 500 yards. I can get that. What does your say? Rifle. Sean? Uh, See, if it was me, I would always say it's longer. <laughs> you do, don't you? <laughs> That's... Eight. I could be ranged in the wrong location. Have another beer. Yeah, this is, this is a terrible note. To, hopefully, people won't stay in the podcast this long. <laughs> oh, I hope so because this is fucking gold. On. So, what we've learned is these guys don't know how to range. It. That's right. Let's <laughs> have a fucking range finder. You know, you know, what we learned actually is we we have relied too much on electronic equipment. Yeah. And we are not getting down to the basics and the fundamentals. I think I need to go walk it off as, as much as we should. Yeah, Just I go said, walk it off. From here, I said like 700. That's me. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Stay, stay safe. Train hard. Train hard.